Greetings, everybody, and welcome to The Stacks. This is Jay. And I'm Shanna. And uh, we're kicking off our new year, 2022. Technically, as we're recording this, it's only uh, just a couple days before the new year, but uh, uh, presuming there isn't some sort of Y2K-esque disaster, this will be going up at the beginning of the new year. You guys, you guys listening know whether a disaster happened or not. We're still in the dark. Don't spoil us, please. Yeah, no, no, no spoilers, please. <laughs> uh, so for our our January episodes, we want to do kind of a New Year's resolution series. Uh, so we'll we'll talk a bit about that when we get to our third section. But that'll be uh, sort of determining our uh, picks for the rest of the month. Uh, but for oh, please go ahead. I was going to say, it just, it should be a fun little kind of different thing to do. It should be a blast. Yeah, it should be good. And uh, speaking of fun, weird little things, uh, our first movie is the 1990 version of Captain America, directed by Albert Pyun. This movie, yeah, this is weird. Um, I forgot that superhero movies could be this. Yeah, because it's got very little to do with the Captain America character um, beyond so Captain America. Like, there, there's the basic concept. The costume is really, really comic-specific. It's a perfect re- reproduction of the comic book costume, actually. Like, yeah, it, it looks kind of cheap, but it's very uh, true to the original designs. Uh, and then there's almost nothing else from Captain America. Like the origin story is very different. The, all of the other characters are very different. There's two characters that kind of share names with characters. Yeah. The Red Skull in name only. In name only. In name only. He is not, he's a completely different person. He's the orange. He's not the Red Skull. He's the orange puffy face. Yeah. (laughs) And like I, in, uh, in in the original ones, he's German, and here he's Italian. And you know, he was just like the super Nazi. Whereas he was in the Nazius Nazi that ever. Nazi yeah, Hitler was like, whoa, dude, chill. Yeah, like I think he had an assassination plot against Hitler in one story, but <laughs> yeah. it's it's all like completely bizarre. Whereas this guy, he's Italian. He was abducted by the Nazis as a child and transformed into the Red Skull. And he Although just decided Chris, to become a James Bond villain. Yeah, like he just kind of leaned into it for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of his film. Like we, we, we sort of should begin with him because I believe the movie does start with him. We have actually, just, yeah, that you're right, it does. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess one thing before we get into sort of the plot of the movie, uh, this is produced by Menahem Golan, the Golan Globus, and Canon Pictures. Uh, you would know them best for uh, the Apple. Oh yes, yes. Uh, which which was directed by uh, I think Menachem Golan directed that one, not Globus. I think Globus they, always produced. That movie doesn't have a lot in common with this one. Uh, a certain maybe spirit. a little bit of a feel. A spirit. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Golan Globus, I, I really love their work. They they did Canon Pictures, uh, who produced a lot of really great 
weird independent action stuff throughout the 80s like cobra running man and and like interesting art house projects like barfly they did running man okay yeah I didn't know that you you would know a lot of the stuff they put out like they they did um the the big chuck norris ones invasion usa and i think missing in action um i think the only chuck norris movie i've ever seen is the one where he gets his ass kicked by bruce lee oh yeah uh that one's great uh because he's only in the one scene and he doesn't talk uh he gets his ass kicked yeah he he gets literally murdered and it's in the coliseum and there are kittens watching it's great (laughs) we'll have to watch that one sometime oh yeah but like in in the 80s Invasion USA is like the only one I really like of his, and that's the big Canon Pictures one. And just it's a really demented one. He has very, very little dialogue. He mostly just throws bombs at people. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Golan Globus, it's really amazing to me that they had a crack at both Captain America and Superman in the 80s because they did Superman 4, the really bad really one. Good? Oh. Quest for Peace, the really cheap one, where Superman uh, fights nuclear proliferation by collecting all of the world's nukes and uh, throwing them into the sun. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) Superman can do that, sure. You know, not bad, not bad. But then Lex Luthor had uh, some clone material hidden in one of the nukes, and it turns into a a defective Superman clone who's the nuclear man. But it's, wouldn't it's that have been... just gone into the sun? Uh, he got out of it. He's powered by oh, it. Oh, okay. Because like, just... Superman's also powered by the sun. Is he? Yeah. Uh, like, oh, okay, yeah. okay. I didn't know uh, that. Uh, by the power of your yellow sun. Uh, and, and, and that's why he has superpowers is because of the difference in the sun from his planet something to do with that (laughs) completely did not know any of that i I do not know i know so little superman lore all i know is that lex luther stole 40 pies and that's terrible (laughs) we should watch the the uh those original superman movies like those four are all really interesting the first one's great second one's pretty good third one only i like and nobody else on earth uh and the fourth one is just terrible it's amazingly bad <laughs> well I've, I've been meaning to watch him <laughs> i'm like the only person in the world who hasn't uh but we open with boom nazi stormtroopers just coming through a wall <laughs> the bang of an opening with this movie yep they're uh taking the boy the they, boy because yeah. he is smart he has superior intelligence. Uh, please go ahead. And then they just kill everyone else. Yeah, they just make as, him watch. They they execute his entire family. As the Nazis, you know, do. Yeah, but like if they're they're recruiting this guy and that he's yeah, very that's weird. Smart, that's weird. It doesn't make a bunch of sense. How would they know that this child is like a super genius? Yeah, that too. Like, oh, they know this random boy in Italy has superior intelligence. And yeah. that they want to specifically use him for horrifying medical experiments. I mean, the experiments are pretty horrifying, but it's also 
you know, they actually uh, kind of really, I would say, uh, censored how bad Nazi experiments can be. Oh, absolutely. I um, mean, this is like, it's it seems like cartoon on, like, super villain stuff, but the real Nazis were worse. Well, yeah, they they weren't trying to make people into super soldiers. They were just seeing ways that make people dead. Well, you could argue. <laughs> they they weren't looking Some for like one child to make. Super they weren't. Soldiers. They weren't looking for like one child to make into a super soldier. They were looking for lots of children to make into dead children. It, it wasn't really the same sort of concept that they were going for. Yeah, yeah, this this whole thing is weird. They would pick a German kid for the super soldier thing. Yeah, exactly. And like a super loyal one, like like a German version of Steve Rogers. Yeah, well, like that that would kind of be the most logical thing. And as well, they kind of make him especially not likely to be on their side when they murder all of his family in front of him and abduct him. Yeah. I I don't get the end game of this at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's young enough they could brainwash him. I mean, I guess it sort of works. He just but becomes then, a super villain. What are you gonna do with the superior intellect? I don't know. None of yeah, this no. makes sense. It's it's just you know they they needed to put all of those words in there. We needed to know the Red Skull was smart and he needed to become the Red Skull. I don't know why they chose this Italian this boy backstory. <laughs> It's a very strange choice. Yeah. So yeah. at the historic location of the Fortress Lorenzo, some I, I think this is a real place, just a, an ancient fort. In Italy, I believe, yeah. Yeah. So the, the, this is, uh, like, I think all of the Nazi stuff is set in Italy rather than in Germany. Yeah, yeah, because uh, that's where the Red Skull's base is in the present time, and Germany... At that point, well, this is still before before the fall of the USSR, so there's still two Germanys. Right, yeah. Uh, so at Fortress Lorenzo, the same Nazi who executed the parents or who was like in charge of the shock team, uh, he's showing off this rat that he's horribly transformed by some magnificent process. And the rat's just all kind of red and puppety. <laughs> I thought it looked pretty cool. I was like, you know what? This is this is all right. Is I'm watching a cheesy 90, 1990 superhero film. This is yes. fine. Yeah, it's it's exactly what you would expect from it. Uh, I I love the big Nazi science lab. It's completely ridiculous, but like the the big locations in this movie, and there's only a handful of them, but they're all really great because they're just so big and over the top. Mm-hmm. And like, it's so funny because it looks like just like a they've got like the huge nazi flags all over the place and everywhere just, just in case you wondered whose base this was then it's like oh yeah the real nazis did that too they did that though yeah uh, they were real <laughs> cartoon super villains they were and, and that's why it's so fun to just go back to the 90s when it was fine to just have people shooting nazis all the time yeah you could just <laughs> it seems to have fallen out of fashion as... for some reason come on uh, well, it's it's like that. Uh, it's like in that OS that one OSS one one seven movie. Mm-hmm. It's been five years already. Can't we give the Nazis another chance? <laughs> oh man, I love those movies. Uh, they're 
There's something. They're, they're pretty. F- well, I, I shouldn't say movies. I really like the first one. The second one is a step down. It's okay. It really is, yeah. But the first one's great. Yeah. Uh, so, the boy. I don't think we get his name until much later when they're researching him. Yeah, I don't even remember what it is. But, like, he's strapped in a chair and they turn him into the Red Skull. But there's one scientist who protests and she runs away. Even though it was apparently her whole project? She was in charge of the project. It was her idea. Because, like, she goes and steals the tech. Like, she's the one who knows enough to go and bring it to America. And nobody else is able to reproduce it there. So, like. So she's, like, the main scientist. Yeah, it's another point where I don't really get how this works out. I think they just wanted to tie Red Skull and Captain America together, and that totally doesn't exist in any other version. Like, it's just this lady who's a scientist who... In fact, you know what? I think in the original, original Captain America origin story, it's Einstein or something. (laughs) Except his name is... Reinstein, I believe. Oh, oh, I, I don't know. Well, see, that's Reinstein is different. He right. is exactly as smart and as famous as Albert Einstein, and, and looks, looks exactly like the same. Him. Yep, uh, but he's Reinstein. Joke. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's actually what it was, Reinstein, in the original origin story. But it's it's been retconned any number of times. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe it's some. Sorry, go ahead. You could really easily link the Red Skull and Captain America by being each the symbol of yeah. the uh, perfect ideal of each nation. Because Captain America is the symbol of, well, what America wants to think it's all about. It, it was the symbol of uh, 40s America going into World War II. I, I'd yeah. say that's fairly accurate. Uh-huh. And the Red Skull is... Certainly, like, I mean, he was supposed the evil to be Nazi version of that. Yeah, the the Nazi Germany uh, icon, and and you know he that that's why he recurred all through the '40s Captain Americas, and it took a while for them to figure out how to use him when uh, they brought him back in the '60s. Oh yeah, Captain. The comics actually happened, started in the '40s, didn't they? Yeah, like, I I think the first Captain America was 1939. So, like, on the cover of the first issue, he's punching Hitler in the face. It's great. Oh, you can't punch (laughs) Hitler. You've got to talk to him. He just disagrees with you. Uh, Like, him punching Hitler in the face is on the very first cover. So iconic. (laughs) It's so good. It's real good. And and it's, Uh, like, it, it really shows exactly the point of Captain America. And that's sort of all they're working with for this movie and they don't really think about how anything else fits together and as soon as you start to pick at it it's like this doesn't make any sense yeah see the person the boy with the superior intellect you kidnap is the one who you force to do your to be your scientist not the one who you force to become a super soldier it's so weird so we cut to seven years later, and it's 1943, so it's like height of World War II now. Yep. And they're doing Project Rebirth, and it's this super soldier program, and it's been developed by the escaped Italian scientist that we saw uh, escape. 
who obviously was just clearly the one running everything because they're the only two. Yeah, because nobody else. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, so she weird. probably was just like, I escaped from the Nazis. They made me do these things. But like, if this were happening in like 1946, absolutely. But <laughs> it doesn't make sense in, you know, 1936, I guess it's supposed to be when she's doing this. That's weird, yeah, too. The whole the timing right. of everything is very strange. <laughs> but so in, in this version, first, Steve Rogers is their first volunteer for this super soldier program. Like he knows what he's getting into and people know who he is. But we don't know why they know who he is. No, we don't see any. We don't he see or even hear about his combat experience. I it took me a while to realize that he wasn't just some rookie signing up. Yeah. And or, like, or like some new private or whatever. Yeah. And, and we don't have any of the backstory of him being like, <clears throat> excuse me, of him being uh, rejected from the previous times that he volunteered to the military for being too small. And that like, that's, you know, the, the basic origin story of Captain America. He just keeps volunteering because he really wants to fight the Nazis. He, even though he just he, like the, the military will not take him because he's small and sickly. Right. Right. I actually, you know, I haven't seen the, the MCU Captain America movies. I saw civil war and that's it. Uh, the first one, uh, it's decent. Uh, I had really mixed feelings on it, but it, it's 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 perfectly all right. I'd say it's uh, a better movie than this one. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I wouldn't say I like it a lot more than this one. Mm, all right. Because uh, this is a fun, stupid movie. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's dumb. It's actually pretty forgettable. I've I've watched it not even 24 hours ago and I've I'm I'm only remembering stuff as you bring it up yeah well this is why we have notes uh but yeah <laughs> i i mean like i've seen this movie four or five times now so i i have most of the beats in my mind as well but yeah it's it's forgettable it's very like it's it's that perfect early 90s it it feels like a product it feels like it was made for tv almost it's got that cheap level how I described it uh, was it feels like 66 Batman, but the Snyder cut and edited down for TV so that it, it's not like so it's super violent, but it's also not really the characters. Yeah, and it's baffling. Like there's so many choices that are strange in a way that it's like why <laughs> but at the same time i was grinning ear to ear the whole time i was watching it it's such um, a fun I was watch just, it's it's a fun watch it's you very won't remember easy. any of it after it's over but it's it's a lot of fun yeah but, it like it's ephemeral it's it's vaporware <laughs> yeah oh there we go there we go yeah so so Steve Rogers has volunteered to be a super soldier. Uh, like, I don't know why we, they wouldn't have a lot of volunteers, honestly. And why him? I don't know. Don't know. Did he? He has a limp, so presumably he yeah, has combat experience. Or that's why he but, was rejected, but they don't mention it at all. Uh, no, like we don't. I don't know anything about this guy's service history. And, and 
I mean, that's they fine. They love to talk about service history. That's, that is true. But, like, that's fine in that I don't need to see Batman's parents die. It's just, no, in this, but... this version, I don't even know what his story is. <laughs> yeah. It's very like, strange. You don't need to see Batman's parents die every time, but you should see it in the if you're doing a story about Batman's parents dying. It's just so weird that the thing that they keep is not his actual origin story, but like the frozen in ice and waking up in the future thing. Well, the frozen in ice thing I think works because it kind of makes Captain America. A fish out of water. Someone yeah. who, well, oh, even that, but also a timeless hero at the same time. True. Like that hero couldn't exist today without being a fish out of water and the yeah. more time passes between now and or between the 1940s and the present the more of an interesting character this becomes Whereas that is true someone like magneto his uh origin story also has to be tied to world war ii but the more time passes between then and now the less he can really use magneto yeah he stops making sense yeah. Or, or you have to change you have his to, origin story. You have to do something. Or you, some have to, like, way. you have to freeze him or send him off into space or something. But yeah. they, they kind of hit on something really cool with the idea of just freezing Captain America and thawing him out for whatever the modern day period mm-hmm. um, for your Captain America story. And yeah, I mean, it, like it, 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 it does come from the first modern captain america story like that's how he was introduced in the 60s uh the avengers just found him floating in a block of ice yeah which is this is funny because like even back then it's still kind of a fish out of water story isn't it yeah totally i mean it's a full what uh i guess it's like years yeah about 17 years which it doesn't seem like a lot when you think about how far back that was but it's a long time well, I mean, there were huge upheaval between the 40s and the 60s in America. Yeah, I guess I guess it does seem like a lot happened between then, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, and so this Captain America goes from the 40s to 1990. Uh, but first, so like we, we get a bit of just him in the 40s. We learn that he's already lost his older brother to the war. Oh, I missed that i don't think they mention it again really no it's just the one time although i think that is an element that does exist in the original captain america story uh his mom's line is you be as strong and brave as he was only you be a little more careful oh yeah yeah uh Um, i i felt like his mom had a real mom from a christmas story energy which really struck me as funny because Darren McGavin, who plays the old man in A Christmas Story, is the Nazi collaborator general in the future. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, we we learn more about the president of the United States origin story in this than we do about Captain America. So I, much I more. I love it. Yeah, no. And it, it really feels like it should be a romance between the two of them. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, it's always going to be my argument about this movie. <laughs> But like, so Steve Rogers is so notable and he's like, he is well known to the public. Like a news photographer comes to shoot him saying goodbye to his mom to go away for the super soldier program. Oh, interesting. I, yeah, I guess so. And I don't get that, right? That's so weird. 
because uh, <laughs> uh, later on, I, I feel like the, the president has the only known photo of Captain America, but that's in the costume. So I guess maybe that's different. Also, well, well which is also I'm so jumping good. way ahead. Well, so, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so like he has to go say goodbye to Bernie. Uh, his, oh, yeah. His, his, his gal. Yeah. She loves him. She doesn't want him to go. They have a big, tearful seaside embrace. Uh, this, the, the 1940s. What's he going to do? Not go to war? Yeah, exactly. That's what you did back then. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's what everybody had to do. There was well, a, it ah. had to. Yes, there is also <laughs> that. That's a... uh, And she says, I'll wait for you forever and ever and ever. Uh, and then we get like another. We get a one week later uh pass it time passage headers there's a lot of those in this movie i i feel like we're frequently saying like okay now it's like a few days later now it's seven years later now it's 20 years later yeah i guess i guess they really wanted to be sure we knew when on the timeline everything was happening so that you know we could uh piece it together ourselves it's really strange though because it just like the the detail that they put into only that when nothing makes any sense with the way everything <laughs> else is set up blows my mind. Yeah. And like so, this is a thing that drives me nuts here, especially regarding this uh, in terms of just nonsense rubbing up against each other. So we have the news photographer shooting his goodbye, so people know right. who Steve Rogers is and that he's going for this program, right? Right. And then they have to go through this secret hidden door to get to the super soldier lab. Oh yeah. In like a diner. Yeah. He's like, how's the pot roast today? Roz She's as good as yesterday. And she's like readying a gun under the counter. Like if, if he doesn't have the right password, she's going to shoot him down. But like, this is, isn't this public knowledge? I don't understand. <laughs> no, like I, Maybe Steve Rogers, maybe they don't know he's going to the super soldier program. Maybe he's just going, going off to, to regular war. And this is just what they did for people who were going to regular war. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but like they have to pull levers on a coat rack to get into a hidden door. And that's where the super soldier lab is. I think this is another thing that's from like the 60s Captain America origin story. So... I think it's just something that they wanted to have the hidden lab and they just didn't really think about how it fit into other scenes that they had lined up. It does. <laughs> <laughs> and it continues not fitting in later on. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, there, there's a Senator called Senator Kirby. It's a nice throw, uh, nice shout out. I was looking for the Stan Lee Camrio and there wasn't one. I don't nope. think. Not even a reference to him. It's a we we just have a Senator Kirby. That's it. He gets an executive producer credit. Yeah, I guess this is before he'd ever been in a movie. Like I think the first movie he was in was maybe Mallrats. Really? And that's like ninety-five ish. Holy maybe ninety-six. I think it is. And then like he realized he liked doing it, and people were kind of charmed by him, and he just started being in anything comic related. <laughs> Okay. Well, anything Marvel related. Anyway. Uh, I did actually see one uh, in one of the Teen Titans movies where it's like a Stan Lee cameo. I'm here. I'm Stan Lee. It's like, what are you doing? This is DC. 
oh no, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> that is such a weird dude. Uh, rest in peace. So I, I think Senator Kirby has the line, he'll be a living symbol of what this country stands for. <laughs> it's a movie with a lot of pronouncements like that. Everybody oh, kind of yeah. speaks in bold platitudes. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of God bless you, Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they they do the super soldier process. It involves a lot of sparks and flashing lights, and he's doing all these contortions. He gets electrocuted for what feels like a very long time. <laughs> yeah, it does seem to go on like a while. Like a couple minutes, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a really important transformation sequence. Like every other version, it's a transformation. But like... He's just getting electrocuted here. Yeah, we don't see any change to him. He looks the same after the process. Uh, But then there's this special observer from wherever who uh, goes up to the doctor and says, Heil Hitler, and uh, shoots her. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) And then... And then, like, he shoots at Captain America, or he, he shoots Captain America Oh, yeah, twice. he shoots Captain America, but... And the, then Cap just, just punches survives. him. Yeah, like, he, he gets shot twice, and then Captain America punches him hard, like, f- like five feet into some machinery and gets electrocuted himself and dies. And then Captain America wakes up in the hospital some unspecified amount of time later. Oh, they, they, they didn't tell us? I don't think days? they did there. How many hours? Except we do have someone say, I need that boy in action in 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, okay, well, uh. <laughs> it's like we'll he's in the right hospital right now, though. On it. It's like, uh, he's just heal faster, Captain. Or more well, like, nurses heal him faster. You're a super soldier. Get out of bed, so super soldier. Well, uh, so the thing is, there's an experimental German rocket. It's on the way. They don't know where it's on the way to, but only Cap could possibly stop it. I don't know how they know this or why, what, but they know this. Why is he the only one? I don't know, because he's Captain America. He's a superhero, and only a superhero can do it, even though he's never done anything and they don't know (laughs) what he can do yet, because he was shot twice, and now he's in the hospital. And he punched a guy real good. That's he how you did know punch he can that do one that. guy. That's how you know he can stop the rocket. I mean, again, it's one of those things like I don't follow any of this reasoning, but okay. I didn't think about it either. I was just like, okay, I just I didn't think it was weird. Yeah, like you kind of don't think about it because it just keeps on moving along. It's like we're we're just gonna say these things, and now we're moving along. It didn't happen. Doesn't matter. Yep. Like okay, I guess so. <sighs> Uh, The the movie plays by its own rules. I kind of love it. Yeah. And so, like, Cap sweating just to stand to get out of bed. Comes like, where did you say that bomb site was? (laughs) 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 And then I think we smash cut to, like, him on an airplane. Yeah, he's flying in, and he's finally in the costume. The the mask looks very silly. (laughs) It does. It's not quite (laughs) fitted properly so he always looks cross-eyed and it kind of looks like it's body paint because it's so like it's a really thin skin adhesive plastic or rubber yeah um they had 
they had figured out good Batman masks by this yeah. point. I I, I I don't know. It it doesn't look good, and it's hard to say exactly what about it because it looks pretty comics accurate, but it just looks cheap. It just all of it, the elements look really cheap. Yeah, it's it's weird because the uniform looks like the the body part looks the same, but it looks good there, and I, just the face. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but yeah. It looks very silly. Uh, there's a fake Tommy Lee Jones uh, called Colonel Lewis who's instructing him. Uh, and he's saying that, like, since the doctor died, he's the only one uh, in the program. And also his shield and uniform are also made by the doctor and are special and irreplaceable in some way. Right. But we don't really get any more information than that. No, I have no idea. So, like, the shield I get because that has a whole comics background. It's made yeah. of vibranium, whatever. The uniform, I don't get it. What? <laughs> <laughs> What's special about it? I don't understand. And the shield kind of looks like one of those uh, those sleds that children go down a hill with. It those, looks those like round it's, ones. it's very plastic looking. It looks so plastic. It, it looks flimsy. And he... It seems to be interchangeable with all kinds of things because he uses many improvised shields throughout the... A lot of garbage can lids. Yeah, and they yeah. work just as good. <laughs> yeah, he does some really useful stuff with garbage can lids. Uh, here's where he has his big, I won't let America down, sir. God bless you, Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> and then he skydives out and screams, I love you, Bernie's. <laughs> oh right, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, th this is also where we first see the wings on the head, which are very silly looking. Yeah, they, that never made it into the MCU version, did it? No, they they didn't try that one out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I and I get it, like it's a classic part of the costume, but it looks very silly. Like I get it, you're doing kind of an eagle motif. That's cute, yeah. but. <laughs> Come on. Well, without the wings, it would just be like he just looked like a weird, round, bald, blue face. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, need the I wings. Mean, you you do need something on there. It's it's not a good mix otherwise. But yeah, they're they're not a they they don't look good. It's <laughs> there there's something just weird about it. Uh, and I mean, just the whole costume is very rubbery looking. Yeah. Like he's a rubber suit guy. <laughs> Not as silly looking as Red Skull or uh, aged Bernice, <laughs> oh who is kind God. of a Red Skull. We'll get back to that. <laughs> God, we're not even the, in the present time yet. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he he raids the the fort. He throws his shield and it takes down a guard tower. And it's fucking great. Really yeah, that's, awesome. That's I, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. It was rad. And like Red Skull's inside the fort and he's like, my American brother has arrived. Like he can just <laughs> sense it. It's like, first of all, why do you know that there is another? American. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. 
and like I don't know why he's his American brother, why he's always thinking of him this way. And he this is the first time we see Red Skull as Red Skull, and he looks ridiculous. Oh man. Uh, he reminds me of the guy from Hellraiser. Um, the zombie yeah, guy. The sticky guy. <laughs> yeah, the sticky gross guy. Kind of looks like that, but worse and puffier. Yeah, he he does kind of have that look to him. Yeah, and it's it's a very gross, weird Red Skull face. But we it's only see it in this one scene. All. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's just red, like like he's got gooey stuff on him. Yeah, yeah. So they they have a big fist fight in front of a whole bunch of Nazi officials and a huge red wall with a giant gold swastika on it. Of course crazy yeah uh red uh, skull catches the shield at one point yeah and throws it back at him that's pretty cool shows him as you know an equal fighter i really like the guy who plays red skull scott Pollen. i mean i don't he's, know about any of his other work but i love him in this <laughs> he's fun he's fun he's very big uh he he's really playing it all the way more than anyone else in this movie i feel oh he knows what movie he's in yeah uh, so Cap ends up getting defeated. He's strapped to the rocket, which is aimed for uh, Casabianca, how you say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the White House. <laughs> uh, that's a dumb line, but I really love it. Uh, yeah. And Cap's and, like, and, go ahead. And, you know, of course, there's nothing that in America's arsenal could intercept a rocket heading for the White House. No. Nothing. Well, I mean, 1943, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess ICBMs weren't really a thing that you had to worry about back then. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so he's like, Captain America's like, two can travel cheaply as one, and he grabs a hold of Red Skull <laughs> to, like, take him with him. Yeah, Red Skull ends up chopping off his own hand. Yeah, this is pretty hardcore. And, and then... Then we get to meet the future president. <laughs> Just uh, this kid who's traveling to D.C. with his, I guess, his family who just really loves presidents. He's so obsessed with the government. He is going to be big problems later. He literally says, I'm going to grow up to be president. And of course, we've all said that, though. <laughs> but he does. Uh, and like, so he's in, he's in some hotel and he's awoken by the sound of the rocket somehow. 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 Nobody else's. Yeah. In Washington, D.C. during a war. <laughs> What's that? Ah, uh, it's just a rocket. It's just some kids with fireworks. Oh, we don't got to worry about that. And so he goes outside and he's the only one who gets a photograph of it. He manages to photograph it while Captain America deflects it somehow by kicking it. And he gets it and the rocket gets close enough to him that the kid can see his face. And the rocket was not aimed at the White House. It was aimed at the kid. <laughs> and But Captain America... Sees a kid and now decides now's the time to uh, start kicking the deflector. Uh, not, you know, when he was flying over the ocean for a few hours. 
Yeah, it's only like in these last moments that he's like, oh, better start doing something. <laughs> I think he was just. Reflecting on his situation, figuring out exactly how much, like calculating how much he needed to kick it to get it over the White House when he got there. Uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, he. We'll over... give him credit. <laughs> well, he overdid it. Yeah, he he ends up somewhere in Alaska. So, you know, he kicks the rocket and it's had enough fuel to travel for a few more hours. A long way. Uh, <laughs> like, this rocket is gone about halfway around the world now with Captain America strapped to it. It goes from Italy to Alaska. That's Stopping a really long... at Washington, D.C. Yeah, like almost hitting the White House and just like buzzing just over it. Although, so we we sh- shortly learn because the boy goes to talk to his friend Sam that he had this Captain Midnight rocket reflector badge. So maybe Captain America didn't do anything at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know maybe what? it was the president all along. Well, you know, the uh, oh, oh the, the badge reflected the thing is what you're yeah. thinking. <laughs> maybe. Because the Captain president Am- does seem to be like the other major superhero of this movie. Captain America hasn't had a win yet. No, he really hasn't. He's two for O, or he's O for two, rather. Yeah, like, he's not even a legend. Like, when he comes back to the future, nobody's heard of him. (laughs) No, he was a failed, he was basically a failed experiment. The government's just kind of like, let's just pretend this didn't happen. Yeah, that's a very different version of Captain America from any other. Like, Like, I don't know if they, or maybe they just forgot about him. I don't really understand. I, I figure they got to just have kind of given up on him. Maybe they just didn't know what happened to him. They they figured he just died somewhere. Like when, when they sent him to deal with this rocket that he successfully did it, but died in the doing of it because they never heard about the rocket or him. Maybe. They, they didn't hear about the uh, rocket with swastikas painted on it going <laughs> 10 feet away from the White House, flying over, and then just doing a flyby over the entire country and a big chunk of Canada. It just flew right by them. <laughs> <laughs> Only the kid was awake. Everyone else was asleep. Yeah. <laughs> So the kid is like, I'll never forget it, Sam. Never, ever. And, of course, he grows up to be president. He's President Tom Kimball. We get, like, basically his origin story here. We we see him grow up. Yeah, we get his origin story, not Cap's. He's the one who was, like, idolized the military when he was growing up. He's the one who idolized the government. He, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he volunteered like. to go to Vietnam. Yeah, uh, not a lot of people did that, I don't think. I think they uh, they kind of asked you to go to Vietnam, and then they told you to go to Vietnam. Yeah, not a l- I mean, there were volunteers, but not a lot. I mean, that's just not a thing most people did. Yeah, uh, because it's a, kind of a war that... Well, anyway... It's an unpopular he, war. It was always an unpopular, unpopular war. war. So it's very strange. Uh, him volunteering for Nam is a weird detail. Yeah. Uh, but... It's especially weird because we do find him to be an extremely progressive president. Uh, He's very interested in dealing with poverty in Africa 
uh, and his his really big bugbear is <laughs> plastic the environment. Ban. Yes. yes, he wants a plastic ban. Uh, this is set in the future, 1992, because oh, this was made in 1990. Oh, okay. Which is weird, right? <laughs> yeah, that's. We're gonna set it two gonna... years in the future. I don't quite get. Well, because they they already knew who won the election in 19, I guess, 88, but they didn't know who was going to win it in 92. Maybe it could be Tom Kimball, Maybe a non-existent person. The, the, I want to see the Kimball-Clinton debate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't think don't it would be a Kimball-Clinton debate. It would, it would be a Kimball-Bush debate, right? He, he's a Democrat. He's clearly a Democrat. Uh, he's probably independent. Oh, yeah, this you guy. You know what? He would absolutely be independent, but he's awesome enough to win the U.S. presidency as an independent. Yeah, because he's the real Captain America, right? He's the real <laughs> hero. <laughs> and, like, he, we, we catch up with him in 92 giving a very dire speech. It's like, I'm going to go to do ban plastics at this summit and if we don't take this step we'll all die slowly but we will die thank you that's his speech to the country can you imagine i can imagine imagine. (laughs) i can imagine because not too long ago joe biden did the exact same thing we're all gonna die Really slowly and painfully if you don't get your vaccines, which in this case. Uh, but true or not, that's not really. But yet, so, yes, I can't imagine. But this was like his whole speech. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the end of the world. Uh, and here's where we're introduced to General Klein. Darren Who McGavin. really has a problem with uh, with. So this scene kind of made me do like two different 180s. <laughs> so we see we see the uh, the general. He's like, I don't like this environment, Bill, Mr. President. And I'm like, OK, he must be the villain or working with the villain. And the president and he goes on to say uh, there is just no way that we could possibly reduce all of our solid waste by 90 percent in six months. I'm like. No, he's right. You can't. The president is insane. It's the the target is too high. Uh, It is impossible. Yeah, he right idea. uh, A little a a little bit strict on the the rules of it, I think. Turns out the general's evil anyway. Yes, the general is totally. The president is also kind of insane because you cannot logistically are like. My understanding, my belief is we're supposed to believe that the president is correct all the oh, time. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. And, like, I, I admire his ideals. but I think you know, they just threw numbers out that would sound I, good. Yes, I think that's completely what it was. I think that's what a lot of this is. Yeah, and so, like, from here, we basically smash cut to Red Skull having dinner with Klein to, to really drive home, like, oh, yeah, no, he's the villain. He's the bad guy. In a creepy freaking castle. I think the same fortress, actually. I think it is the same fortress, yeah. I think he just hangs out at Fortress Lorenzo most of the movie. Red Skull would be, like, 90 years old now. Yeah, he's got to be very old. He was... So he was a little boy in, like, 1936 when they took him. Let's say maybe six years old. That puts him 
1930. So yeah, he's gonna be 62, at least. Wait, thir- oh shit! Yeah, you're right. I'm thinking. God, I, I just don't know my decades. I just don't know <laughs> how numbers go. That's all right. If uh, it so were now, today, he'd be 90. Yes. More. Yeah, if it were today, he'd be really old. But now he's wearing makeup. He's not. He doesn't have a red skull. He's got like a jigsaw face, like Punisher's villain. Yeah, and, and like slick back hair. Um, actually, he reminds me a lot more of Jigsaw. Yes. Yeah. Because he's kind of like a, I guess a mob arms dealer. I don't really know what he is in this. He's not a Nazi. It is not clear. Uh, he is a supervillain. Yeah. And he's the only supervillain, which is weird in a world where there was not a superhero until like suddenly now. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a supervillain. He he does all the assassinations. He did Martin Luther King. What else did he do? John F. Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy and yep. Bobby Kennedy. Um and uh, like we'll we'll get this a little bit. This is quite a bit later that they're going through that because that Sam tells Cap that. Uh, and that he's pretty sure that the president is next on his hit list because he's next in li- like he's as good as uh, JFK, uh, RFK, and MLK. Right. Like he's the, he's the next one. Oh, TLK. Um, <laughs> oh my god, is a K. Ah, oh, that is probably uh, intentional too. Wow, I didn't yeah. even think about that. That's funny. Neither did I until just now. <laughs> uh, but. But the Red Skull is like, no, 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 we won't. We aren't going to assassinate him. Let us use an implant to control his brain. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, there we go. That's now you're thinking. That's a more interesting supervillain plan. Definitely. But yeah, he he kind of looks like a Dick Tracy character more than the Red Skull. Like it's it's a very strange look. Yeah, he is really. I I could never see him as Red Skull. I just saw him as weird face yeah uh so then captain america is found frozen in alaska by some germans there is just one hand sticking out of an ice block and he breaks out of the ice and thinks they're nazis yeah he he is immediately awake like he bursts out of it and he just runs away because he thinks they're nazis yeah runs away into the woods of alaska yeah, and apparently he just runs all the way down the continent. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> there, there's a picture of him, like the, the find in the ice, I guess, on the front page of the news. And the president just happens to see it on the newspaper. And he uh-huh. compares it to the picture he took, which I guess is the only picture of Captain America in existence. It might be. Because as the president, he doesn't have access to some archive with it or anything. He's just he's the only one who knows about this guy. And he's the president. Wait, like, no, there's he just could nothing. just go down to the Pentagon and be like, hey, was there some guy who looked like this ever? Maybe he's done that. And no. they didn't. Like, they just had nothing. Oh, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. And of course, Sam is now grown up to be Ned Beatty. Oh, yeah. He, uh... I feel bad for this guy. Yeah, he he gets a raw deal in this movie. He gets the shaft, and then he gets the shaft again. Yeah. 
so Ned Beatty is a reporter now. Uh, his his friend Sam from childhood is like uh, a, a a DC reporter, I guess. I guess, yeah. And uh, we also see Red Skull seeing the paper, and he sends his daughter to go take care of the the deal. Like he doesn't even care enough to deal with it personally. Oh yeah, um, then the daughter, the Red Skull's daughter is super hot, and her team of assassins is super hot, but they have no. There's nothing to them. Absolutely, they're not anything. No, I for, I keep forgetting it's supposed to be his daughter. Yeah, I I know her as Red Skull's daughter, and she she has no other character. I don't know if she says words in the movie. I don't know if she's supposed to be good at assassinating. Or... I don't know. She <laughs> she she kills some people. She I does. Guess so yeah. But yeah, I don't know. We we catch up with Cap, who is just still running south. He's filthy. He's being chased by helicopters. Um, eventually, uh, I don't know if I can't remember if anything happens to him before, but eventually the newspaper guy catches him. Uh, first, there's a motorbike chase with Red Skull's daughter. She oh, shows up right. with her assassins on motorbikes. Yeah, because they just they knew where he was somehow. I don't know. In the Alaskan wilderness. Or wherever, like I don't know if it's Alaska um, by this point. It might be the Rockies. It looks very uh, nice and mountains. They, very picturesque. I, I feel like they were in the Yukon when they met oh, the yeah. editor. Could be. Uh, and it's right after that. Like uh, he gets winged. Like he he gets a uh, 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 shot by Red Skull's daughter, and then Ned Beatty picks him up. Right, and explains to him about how he's been frozen in ice for, like, I guess, 30, 40, a bunch uh, of years. Uh, so 42 to 92, it's uh, 49 years? Yeah, okay. 49 years. Right. Coming up on 50. Yeah, so almost 50 years, and he's he thinks he's being bamboozled. It's like, I saw a movie once where they tricked an English spy like this with, like, fake newspapers. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, because he shows them this scrapbook and all that. Yeah. Uh, so then... And he's like, the president sent him here, or, Ned, or uh, Sam, is like, the president sent me here on a matter of global importance, which, of course, is the plastic ban, although he doesn't tell Captain America that, because I feel like Captain America, being from 1943, would think that's dumb. A plastic ban? Yeah, that would like, sound silly to him, right? Yeah, it's like that uh, that video where all the springs get banned. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. I can't stop my car. No springs. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and Ned or uh, Sam wants to know about the Red Skull, so he tells Cap everything he knows because Cap doesn't actually know anything. <laughs> Cap knows nothing. He just follows whoever tells him to. Whoever gives him an order, he just follows that person. He never really learns anything about anything no so like he he gets all of this information from uh sam and then he's like pull over the car please i'm gonna get sick <laughs> this, oh my god this is the most <laughs> <laughs> so he pulls over and, and, and captain america goes out and he's like 
on the side of the road like he's going to throw up and Sam comes out and he's like, oh, do you need a hand? And Captain America runs past him and takes the car jukes and him. drives off with, with it, leaving Sam stranded in the Yukon wilderness, which if you've been up there, even though it's a highway, that's a death sentence. Yeah, you've that's killed this man. And, and he screams, don't leave me out here. Yeah, yeah. This man and will Captain die. America, Captain America is kind of acting like a dangerous escaped mental patient at this point. Like he just drives until the gas runs out and then abandons the car. <laughs> yep. Um, he's trying to get back to his old flames house. Yeah. He's just heading all the way down the coast to California. Surely she'll be there. And, and then she can put this whole thing to rest about how, how he was frozen in ice for a plastic band or <laughs> or something. So like he stows away in a semi trailer and there's this horrible, just it's, it's what I call butt rock. It's just this <laughs> awful fucking butt rock tune. The traveling uh, montage. The memories of you girl. <laughs> It's a song by Southside Johnny, who's like the Springsteen who kind of didn't really get bigger than Jersey, but he's like really influential locally. Okay. Yeah, Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes, but it's terrible. I hate it. Never like, I love Springsteen. Springsteen, I love. I've I've never really listened to Southside Johnny before. This is maybe the first I've heard. And it's like, is this what it's like? Maybe it's just like bad 90s stuff. It might have been made for the movie, which you don't want (laughs) in a movie with this costume. Original (laughs) songs. I don't know. But somehow, like he he gets all the way to Venice Beach from just hiding out and stuff. Like, I guess he, he just stows away in the trailer all the way to Venice. Good thing. That's where it was going. I guess so. Uh. And, like, some punks come up to him asking for a cigarette, and he's frightened by them and runs away like a child. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, he goes to find Bernie. Uh, and instead, her hot young daughter, Sharon, shows up, and he imprints on her instead, I guess. Oh. Yeah, that was the other thing I kind of had a problem with that I sort of forgot about. Is that... <sighs> I was the whole time I was like, oh no, is he gonna hook up with the daughter? That's gross. And he doesn't exactly, but like there's sort of a hint of a romance between them. It does hint in that direction. Like they yeah. might. Yeah. Like there's never any actual direct romance because this is a movie that doesn't really have a lot of time for anything external to the plot. Fortunately, uh, Bernice is there too. <laughs> oh man, this age makeup! Wow, this age makeup is bad, isn't it? It's so bad. Could they not have found an old woman who would do two scenes for cheap? <laughs> she looks like the Red Skull. She looks the same <laughs> as the Red Skull currently does. Like his his made up look when he's like slicked back. She doesn't look. Yeah, she doesn't look old. She looks. She looks like she went through the super soldier process too. You know, Steve went away and she like tried to replicate it and it didn't work. And she just looks silly now. (laughs) And like they hug and Steve looks so disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. Cause she's married. She has a life. The husband is such a non-entity. I don't think he has a name. 
I don't think so. Uh, he is the only one of the family who survives. <laughs> uh, I thought the husband died too. No, the husband gets a. I, I think the husband is the one who survives the massacre. Oh. Uh, that, that's a little bit later on. Um, but first she says like, I waited 16 years after the war before having a kid. So that's why Sharon is young. Mm -hmm. And he's like, holy shit, that's actually a really long time to wait. Oh no, I kept waiting. I kept staying in the same house so that you would come. Yeah, like she, she really did wait forever and ever for him as, as much as she could. She's like, I feel so old and ugly. And like, old, yes, and ugly, certainly, because that makeup. Wow, crazy. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah. And meanwhile, what this poor husband is like, what about our life? Exactly. That's kind of unfair. <laughs> like, is this why you wouldn't sell the house? Yeah, and and like, Cavs, I, I guess it just wasn't meant to be. And so this is a weird thing, too. Ned is doing research, and he discovers that Captain America is Steve Rogers. And again, I don't understand how he discovers it, because it just... I, I, it, it was public. It was public in the first place. It wasn't secret. And even if it was secret... <laughs> then wouldn't the president know who's his best friend, who he grew up with? Yeah, like... um. Hey, Mr. President, sense. I did some journalist research and found out that Captain America's name is Steve Rogers. Oh, wow. It only took you 30, 40, 50 years to – oh, my God. It only took you 49 years to believe me? <laughs> no, no, you believed in him the whole time. It just took him 49 years to find the – I don't know. It's so weird. I don't know. And, like, he finds Bernie's address, and he figures, well, we'll, we'll go try her address. Because he finds, like, oh, well, she still lives there. But but when they go there, he's not there because he's staying with Sharon instead at her place. Oh, yeah, and here's the bit. Um, if nobody tells Captain America what's going on, really nobody told Sharon what was going on. She doesn't even seem to know who this guy is that's staying with her. No, she's just hanging out. She's got a really cuddly kitty. They're oh, watching yeah. TV. And then uh, he just starts saying, it's all true. The Nazis, everything, it's all true. And she's just like, what the fuck? But that that's that's a different. Yeah, well, that like happens first, later. Or yeah, no, first he, he gets to see uh, a Martin Luther King speech and he gets woke. Oh, yeah, right. Um, uh, and. Then we see Ned talking to Bernie or Sam. I, I always want to call him Ned because Ned Beatty. Uh, he talks to Bernie, uh, but then Red Skull's daughter shows up and seemingly executes all of them. Yeah, yeah. Shoots uh, Sam, and who, by the way, showed some incredible resilience uh, surviving that grizzly infested forest. I bet that was, I bet that was a hell of an adventure he went on. Yeah. Uh, but we don't hear anything of it because he dies. Well, like, yeah, we we uh, we get uh, uh, Cap saying with just manly tears. And it's like, if I'd only have killed him then. <laughs> <laughs> the Red Skull back in the day. Uh, Captain uh, America now 0 for 3. 
Yeah, and then we have a moment where it seems like the dad really obviously dies, like on screen. But then it cuts to the doctor and he describes it as a minor gunshot wound and he's okay, which is just weird. I don't really get what they were trying to do there. And then. uh, It's okay. We don't see him again. No, he's never even mentioned again. I don't know what the point of any of it was. Uh, But Sam gives the decoder to Cap. And then he goes into cardiac arrest and dies. Uh, I just got kitty pounced. Yeah, I could hear it. Yeah, she's doing the thing. So Sam goes into cardiac arrest and dies. And we learn that Bernie is also dead. But the dad's just in hospital. And the daughter... uh, I guess it's her turn to go on an adventure with Captain America. Yep, Sharon and Cap just, you know, they, they head out. It's time to go figure out where they're going to deal with this next. So there's this really weird bit where they go into a fast food restaurant and he busts into the ladies room without saying anything. And Sharon's like, you can't go in there. And he grabs her by both shoulders and and yells, Sharon, calm down. And it's like, (laughs) dude, just fucking explain yourself. Are you crazy? I I could just imagine him saying, well, well, it's not like I'm going into the colored's bathroom. <laughs> like, it's it's so baffling. Like, just just say, this is where the secret passage is. Just to say something instead of being insane about it. And then he freaking breaks the wall. Kool-Aid man's the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. To see that the hooks are still there and the secret passage still works. And they just built over the government facility. With the fast food restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. They they didn't even demolish the original building fully. No, even though it had a secret lab under it that still got all the stuff in it. Yeah. Pentagon, I guess, didn't feel like uh, cleaning that up. I mean, like, you, you almost figure they're going to go down and, like, the doctor's body is still going to be there. Completely <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. And the, and the Nazi who, who got electrocuted. Yeah. He's yeah. just, like, still twisted into the machinery. Just a skeleton. Still twitching. <laughs> Um, I've been here for 40, 30, a, a bunch of years. <laughs> so um, Red Skull's daughter shows up with her gunman and they shoot at him. He's dodging behind a whole bunch of machinery. He uses a trash can lid, which and he knocks a guy out a window with it, which is really great. And he does a Wilhelm scream. Which, OK, so I cannot pick it out. Everyone else seems to like be able to pick out the Wilhelm scream. I don't know what it is. I don't recognize it. You can show it to me and I'll just hear a scream. Oh, I can always recognize it. This is the, I think it's only this one time in this movie, but yeah, when the guy gets hit with a shield and he gets crashed through a window, uh, totally a Wilhelm scream. Okay. Uh, but anyway, well, Sharon, gets, word. Sharon gets taken hostage and there's a karate guy that Cap has to fight on a roof. Don't remember that at all. Yeah, it's it's fairly brief. He he gets into a scuffle with him and he's in caps like, tell me where the Red Skull is. And he can't tell him anything because I guess he doesn't know anything because he's just some random gunman. So Cap suplexes him through a vent into like a shaft to, I guess, his doom. <laughs> <laughs> the Snyder cut. Captain yeah. Captain you get America, the murderer. Like but just you, you can't have any blood. Nope. Uh, Oh, there's a little blood with some of the gunshot wounds. 
Yeah, and then he he helps Sharon up, and they they drive off, and they 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 decide they decide to go to Red Skull's hometown, uh, where he still lives and is obviously keeping the president. <laughs> Which is in Italy. In Italy. Uh, so yeah. they just get there. I don't know. Uh, and the, we, we hear about the implant, which is in the president's tooth. Uh, and oh, yeah. somehow he goes with Sharon all the way to Italy before he pulls the I think I'm going to be sick trick. <laughs> on like, maybe do that before making her buy a plane ticket. Yeah, before going all the way to another continent. That's crazy. <laughs> so it's not just so this isn't just a uh, a trick to steal a car, but it's a trick to steal a car and then strand someone in another country where they have no hope of anything. Yeah, it's a this very is a signature move. It's a signature move. It's very strange. I think in one of the uh, MCU Captain America movies, there is a bit where he steals a car uh, in maybe a sort of similar way. Uh I, I feel like there was some kind of callback to that somewhere. Uh, that would be that would be nice back when the MCU had heart. <laughs> uh, maybe it still does. I haven't seen the last few. Mm. I'll, I'll catch up with them eventually. Eventually. So, like, he pulls the trick on her and he takes the car, but it's completely stupid because she knew she knew where he was going and she just catches <laughs> up with him. She just there. goes there. Yeah. Like, she's there as he gets there, and she speaks better Italian than him in the first place, so she's the one that gets them into the place. It's completely pointless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they find a recording of Red Skull's abduction as a child, which is a weird thing that exists. They taped it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. Somebody taped it. I forgot that. And then the Red Skull keeps that, I guess. No, no, it was in the house, right? He it was just in it. the house. Yeah, he doesn't have it. Yeah. And they, they have this weird bit where she's talking about, well, maybe you could just put an ad in the newspaper to find him. Uh, outdated superhero seeks former child prodigy, facial scarring, one hand missing. And he's like, all right, already. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that she just refers to him as an outdated superhero. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> Him running around in 1990 looks an awful lot like Adam West as Batman running around yes. in 1990 would. That is true, yeah. Better physique, uh, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, so two ladies with guns show up, who I guess are part of uh, Red Skull's daughter's hit squad. Uh, Steve clobbers them with a table and they run. Uh, so they're they're then chased by a Porsche down a tight alleyway. Oh, yeah, and he's, he's driving like the... Like the Geo or whatever. No, this he they no, don't have a, that. He's just running. Uh, and like there, there's a Porsche chasing them, and there's like two little boys playing with a ball at the end of the alley. Oh yeah, they, they are just not moving. No, it's Cap it's, has to pick both of them up and put them on the other side of an indent in the in the in the alley. <laughs> they're just like see they don't even look up at this porsche tearing down the strip at them oh and of course cap flips over the car and gets the driver after he jumps out punches him uh and then and they, there's please go ahead yeah they do the the simpsons thing i think where he gets stuck in the alley yeah the car's yeah. too wide uh and then he's he's chased by a motorcycle guy 
and Steve just stands him off with the shield and he's just <laughs> hilariously hit and knocked flying and spinning through the air. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's after that. Like he, he holds out the shield because I think it's still wrapped in paper there. And then he finally pulls it out and throws it under the, the tire of yeah. the bike. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess the just like, go ahead. I guess the super soldier power gave him like super shield throwing abilities. Yeah, because like you'd figure there'd be some reference to a reason for it or maybe some training or something, but I don't know. Uh, but the writer is catapulted through some poor family's window. They're just, you know, having dinner and watching TV and some guy comes crashing through their window. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he steal somebody's bike at one point? I, I he, seem to remember. He does right that. after this. He takes the bike, but he also throws money at them. Oh, okay. So not quite leaving them stranded in the Canadian wilderness. Right. Uh, but or, they, or, or carrying, taking the kids with them uh, overseas and then stranding yeah, them. That's crazy. But like they take, he takes the bicycle and then they just ride until they just crash the bike into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. So anyway, like Sharon goes back, she gets, she rents the Fiat mini car and that's when they head for Skull's Villa. Oh yes, yes. This is the put it in H car. It's a tiny little car. It's, it's funny seeing Steve in it. He does look way too big for it. Everyone needs a vehicle, even the very tall. <laughs> it does kind of look like that. It kind of does. Uh, but then there's this weird bit where Sharon abandons Steve and throws his shield out, and then she goes to get captured. Yeah, what was up with that? I have no clue. I do not understand what that's about. No idea. And she gets put in uh, just no full-on dungeon. Just a, just a full-on uh -huh. dungeon. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, with, with the president who... Uh who is trying to escape with some acid that he stole. Yeah, I mean, he's very resilient. Yeah, really good at resisting torture and taking bottles of acid and trying to <laughs> burn out a lock with it, which the Red Skull even noticed but doesn't do anything about. Yeah, I mean, he kind of heroically breaks out of the cell his own damn self. Like, he doesn't wait for Captain America to break him out. He does it. He just gets out. And he's just running around the the fort. Uh, first, though, we, we have General Klein and Red Skull kind of doing their planning. They're like, we're going to blame the president's kidnapping on the Russians, of course. Of course. And they're doing the same rocket gag. And Captain America's like, I'm not going to blow it this time. <laughs> <laughs> the president gets cornered by Red Skull and his men. And he seems to jump to his apparent doom. But, of course, Captain America catches him. Because he's hiding under the ledge just over oh, like yeah. the jump. Right, right. Because the president's like, I would, what was it? Something like, I'd rather die than be controlled by you. Or I don't remember. Yeah, yeah it's something like that. And then he, he leaps off and the Red Skull goes, no. Uh, and they, they, they escape into a window. And this is the sequence where I feel they should have kissed. There are two moments where like, this feels like a line, or th this whole sequence feels like, th well, this is where they kiss. And then, like, <laughs> cause he, it's like, Steve Rogers, sir. And he's like, 
we've met. And it's like, oh, my God, kiss. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He shows up the picture because he keeps it. The president yeah. of the United States keeps this random picture he took as a six-year-old kid in his wallet. And it's still in pretty good condition. Yeah, and he's like 30, 50, 6, 49 years later. He says, I've been waiting for this moment a long time. And it's like, oh, my God, kiss. <laughs> It, it it just seems like it should be that moment. And Captain America's like, gee whiz. Uh, and they're distracted by gunfire and they have to run. So they don't have time to kiss. They missed the moment. Uh, well, sir, the only president for me is Lyndon Johnson. Or was it Johnson? No, LBJ's uh, 60s. Uh, this would have 43, I think, Roosevelt. Roosevelt, yeah, it was Roosevelt and then Truman later. Yeah. Uh, so Cap also gives the president Sam's decoder. He tells him that he died and the president cries manfully and he rejects swimming to safety. He's like, I'm not bailing out on Captain America. <laughs> also, though, would it really be that easy of a swim to get to safety? I don't know if he'd make it. It's a long swim. Yeah. But I mean, you know, there aren't a lot of people with guns on the water. That's true. There's That's a true. lot of them in the fort. Yeah. Uh, but the the two of them team up. They they take out a couple guards together. Uh, some guy gets just shielded real hard. A few people I feel are getting killed with this shield. Oh yeah, for sure. Because like uh, the velocity he throws that thing. I'm surprised it doesn't decapitate people. There is one moment that I think was supposed to be a decapitation. We'll get to that later on. Uh, but Klein starts to sneak out and he gets past Cap, but he does not get past the president. Again, the president is more of a superhero in this movie. Yeah, and he's like, oh, uh, Mr. President, sir. Well, I sure have the situation under control. <laughs> and Klein's li or the president's like, I don't think you're going to be able to squirm out of this one. And I really like the Klein's line after that is really <laughs> <laughs> yeah darren mcgavin is one of my very favorites he's so good <laughs> it's pretty fun he doesn't get a lot to do in this movie but that really uh is such a good line yeah. uh, and the president just punches him out of course of course um, you gotta have a president punching out somebody yeah i mean if if your president is going to be in the action yeah like Air Force One. Oh, yeah. Get off my plane. Get off my plane. <laughs> I, I have not seen that movie since I saw it in theater. Uh, I haven't seen it since I was a prob probably around that time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the Red Skull is sitting waiting on a throne and he's like, Captain America, my brother, today you will die. He, Captain I, America's like, stop calling me that. It's weird. That's a little bit later. I really like this speech he makes to him. He's like, you remain a clownish symbol that no one cares about. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's true, because he didn't get to get famous in this. No. So I I, I really like Kevin. It's just, I care. He's like, you care. <laughs> then come to me, my brother. <laughs> uh, the president gets shot but like only a little bit you know he gets winged of course because yeah, yeah. everybody got it in the action movie oh yeah only a flesh wound and then we have like these three parallel fights because there's captain america fighting red skull the yeah. president fighting the guy who shot him and 
uh, Sharon fighting Red Skull's daughter. I would, I would think that Red Skull's daughter should be able to kick the crap out of ordinary teenage girl. Yeah, I don't really see how there's any uh, issue there for her. Because, yeah. like, this is just some lady. Yeah, and she's, like, presumably a highly trained assassin. Yeah, I mean... Maybe in... she killed MLK. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Well, no, she maybe she killed John she's... Lennon. Maybe. 1980? Uh, yeah, no, she she would have maybe been old enough for that. Because she... this is 92. She's, maybe like, she in her 20s. she tried to kill Reagan. She could have. Man, if she she failed to kill Reagan, then, you know, maybe she would have trouble with Sharon after all. Because, like, so Sharon in the comics, or at least the Sharon that is uh, Captain America's love interest, she's like a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. So it it, it makes sense that she would be in a battle. Right, right. But, but not uh, this one. there is no S.H.I.E.L.D. here. Not that we know of. Not that we know of. <laughs> uh, so... This is where so we have all the the parallel fights. Although first Skull's opening move is he throws his throne at Captain America. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I really like that. That has real big video game boss fight energy to me. <laughs> <laughs> but enough talk. Have at you. Yeah. Yeah. The the president clobbers guard number one, I guess, with Captain America's shield. Yep. Uh, and then he throws it to Captain America, but he misses it, and or it's it's slid to him, and he backflips like six times. It's quite comical <laughs> yeah, yeah, to get to could've it. Just, could have just run. You could have just walked there. It would have been faster. <laughs> it would have taken a lot less energy, too, but it wouldn't have looked as cool. It didn't look cool. It looked it very silly. It cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he he rolls away when Red Skull fires at him when he gets it. <laughs> when he leans down to get it, he just rolls around along the ground out away from it. Uh, and he yells, Mr. President, thanks. <laughs> uh, somehow Sharon gets the drop on Red Skull's daughter and she's like, I want to torture you for what you did to my mother. Uh, but then she gets distracted by uh, the captain america red skull fight and somehow the daughter escapes and i don't really yeah i don't know she gets away (laughs) she gets distracted and she runs away uh and then this is where red skull just gets completely ridiculously huge with just like everything he says his his performance goes into overdrive i really love it oh yeah he's got like this piano set up on the roof of the castle uh, yeah, overlooking the ocean on a platform, and he's got a detonator device, and he's like, did you really expect me to be taken alive? And it's like, dude, if you're going to do this, play the piano. Right, he's got to play the piano. Be, like, if you're going to set this up, play the piano while you're waiting for him to show up. Don't wait for him in your throne room, wait for him in your piano room. Yeah, because that's a really great location. It's overlooking the ocean. It's it's beautiful. And then you can play like some, I don't know, some Nazi song if you were the real Red Skull while Captain America is approaching you. And it would be so dramatic, but it's just a piano. It's just there. I mean, it's really cool art direction. It does kind of feel like something that would be in a Guns N' Roses music video oh, in 1990. I was, I thought it was awesome. I was like, Yes. Okay, here we go. We're going to get some metal shit right here. 
I do kind of love it because he, so he, he gives his speech about his suicide device. You know, he's got this dirty bomb. It's going to irradiate all of Southern Europe for, you know, 200 years or so. Yep. Uh, 16 million lives out like brief candles and Captain America can do nothing about it. Uh, and then he's sitting on the piano bench, melodramatically firing an AK-47 into the air. And it's like, this is magnificent. Oh, yeah. And... <laughs> That's peak cinema. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I guess if you're not going to play the piano, you can do that. That's Firing fine. an AK-47 into the air melodramatically. I'll take it. If you can't play the piano, you, you can sit on the bench and do that. That's fine. <laughs> So then, in a move that I just don't understand why this worked at all, Captain America takes out the recorder with the recording of Red Skull's no, no. induction. Oh, first, no. first, he whiffs a shield throw at him completely. He throws the shield, and it just lands on the steps, and then Red Skull's daughter shoots him. <laughs> oh. Okay. And then... <laughs> Then he pulls out the tape. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, I need some psychological warfare to pull this off now. <laughs> but here's the thing. Red Skull firing his AK-47 into the air on the roof of a windy building would not hear that piss-poor 1939 recorder. No, no chance. Because, like, he's and, quite a distance away, too. And if he did, would he even know what it was a recording of? Would he even care? This is what he's yeah. devoted his life to. Like, and like his point here is he's going to commit suicide because he's had this bizarre, tragic supervillain life. <laughs> so yeah. I don't really get any of the idea of this recording or its purpose in the movie. No well, clue. Well, it works. It sort of works. Uh, Red Skull's daughter approaches him and they stare out to sea for a moment, but then he like returns to the dead and he's like, we are both tragedies. Let's send our tortured souls to rest. Uh, but he's saying that to Captain America, not his daughter, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Cap says, speak for yourself. And he's picked up the shield again. And this is one of my favorite moments. He hits the skull with the shield this time, and he goes hilariously tumbling end over end off a huge cliff, going, oh. ah! <laughs> and, and this is the thing, we, it's not just like he falls over and then we see someone look over the thing and there's a splash oh, no. at it. No, we watch we watch him fall. Yeah, tumbling end over end, and he's going, ah! <laughs> he's like, he's hitting the rocks and he's bouncing and it's it is so hysterical. Good. It's amazing. <laughs> okay, and this is the moment where I think the daughter was supposed to be beheaded because the shield boomerangs back after that like huge hit and hits her in the head. And Cap says, heads up. Oh, and that like, makes sense. As a canon picture, that probably was going to be a beheading. And then they're like, wait, this is a Captain America movie and we can't do that, can we? <laughs> <laughs> We've already had him kill a few too many people. And then like it it just they they wrap everything up so fast. They're like, "Okay, it's over. We got to go. Uh, everybody get out of the theater." Cap and Sharon just chastely have a hug, and then there's a voiceover that the plastic ban accord succeeded, and Cap just fades into a comic drawing and the, the credits roll. <laughs> Why didn't the nuke blow up? I don't know. <laughs> Why didn't it blow up? I guess he didn't touch the button. 
because he set a timer. Maybe it got turned off. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe in the confusion, the shield ricocheted off her friend's skull's skull, hit the off button on the detonator, and then went flying into that wide arc, and then hit the girl. Yeah, they they just didn't bother to explain it. I guess that's why they had to wrap it up so fast. Like, well, we forgot to deal with that. Like, uh, uh, nothing to see here. We're done. Good night, everybody. <laughs> it's wild. Quite a movie. It's fun, though. Like, it's really, really stupid. But I had so much fun watching it. Yeah, it's got a very fun energy because it's weird and heightened and ludicrous. And it just isn't concerned with any of the details. Like... As soon as you start looking at them, they all fall apart. None of the sequences really fit together. It's all just, what would be fun in this moment? I guess we could do that. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> Why didn't the nuke go off? I have no idea. <laughs> it's What happened to the dad? <laughs> he survived, I guess. He survived. He's fine. He, he just had that minor is, uh... gunshot wound. His daughter ran off to Italy with with his wife's uh, ex. Yeah, that's really weird. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's just such a weird example of what the superhero movie was way before yeah. it, it became a big thing. Like superhero movies are mainstream now, but they used to be little independent cult films. Oh, yeah, like a superhero movie could be anything back in the day. It could be this. It could be the crazy gothic Tim Burton Batmans. Yeah, um, those are great. Yeah, uh, it could be it could be 66 Batman. It could be like the also great. Those Superman or Wonder Woman movies that are that are really good that I've never seen. Yeah, now, there's, there's those like uh all those weird marvel tv movies in the 70s they did a whole bunch there's, of those. Uh, there was a hulk one wasn't there yo there's a whole, there was a whole tv series yeah yeah but now you're only allowed to make one kind of comic book movie it feels like pretty much i mean there's a little bit of variety but not as much as there should be considering how dominant a form it has become mm-hmm. uh, and like now now every blockbuster movie whether it's a comic book movie or not is pretty much a Marvel movie. Kind of, yeah. Like when we watched, uh, what was it, uh, the sequel to Happy Death Day. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked about that a little bit on the show. That we both kind of came to the conclusion it was a Marvel movie. It, it, yeah, it just kind of felt like it was trying to do the Marvel movie template instead of being a horror movie. And it's like, what are you even doing here? This just feels weird. Yeah. But this this movie did its own thing. Um, it didn't work, but it was fun. Yeah, it's it's a fun movie that's just kind of wonky and broken, and I kind of dig that. <laughs> and it doesn't have to fit into an expanded universe, so it doesn't have to make sense. Right, you don't need to worry about how it attaches to anything else. <laughs> and they were never going to get a sequel to it, so they didn't worry about that. <laughs> I, I would love to try to work this into the MCU canon. Like have this Captain America be some sort of uh, uh, like an alternate version. Cause he no, has to be, cause he has to be a thing that happened to him in 1990 and then he got frozen again. But like, he has a completely different origin story. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. We'll work that in. And there's also a different red skull. Cause the red skulls in the Captain America movie is he's even an end game, right? 
He's oh, yeah, a, he is. He's a like a Grim Reaper ghost thing. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> uh, anyway, any last thoughts on this one? I, I should say uh, this is replaced in the stacks with Nightbreed, which I also kind of think of as sort of a 90s, like early 90s comic booky movie, even though it has no direct relation to comic books. It just was heavily advertised in comic books at the time. Okay. As a horror movie where it's just a whole bunch of uh, monsters who live in a graveyard because it's sort of a, they're a haven for them. And they're not really monsters. They're not really bad. But, okay. like, they do have, you know, monster powers and they will, like, kill people and stuff if they're bad. I don't know. Oh, it's course. very, it's a very 1990, like, early 90s movie in a similar way to this one. <laughs> it's fun stuff. It's got David Cronenberg as a villain. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, before we move on to part two, any last thoughts on 1990s Captain America? God bless you, silly Captain America movie. And the wings on your goofy, goofy costume. <laughs> goofy, goofy costume that makes me look cross-eyed. I, oh, you know what? There is one thing I wanted to oh, say yeah. about the actor. Um, I could never place what his age was supposed to be no clue no idea um but when he his lower face looks his lower face looks right in the mask so much so that i kind of feel like this might be why they cast him it's entirely possible because yeah i'm not really familiar with the guy in anything else as far as i know but like when he puts on the mask if you don't count the goofy eyes or the silly wings he his he looks the part. Looks perfect. Yeah. yeah, totally. And, you know, when he takes the mask off, he's kind of got the basic look, you know, yeah. and, and it, it, it works. Uh, yeah. And, you know, that, that's all they were looking for him to look like Captain America on a poster and on a trailer. And that's really all he needed to do, because that's that's the canon way. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll head on into part two. And we are back for our second part, and we're going to talk about uh, the second Vinegar Syndrome picture, Vinegar Syndrome production, Censor uh, 2021 film, or is it a 2020 film? Um, oh, let me see. I have a thing. It is 2021. Yes. Uh, and director... What's uh, the director name? is... Well, Frederick North is the fictional director. <laughs> Film directing debut of Prano Bailey Bond. Prano Bailey Bond, yes. A very interesting debut feature. Yeah, this didn't feel like so much like a debut. It felt like somebody who had been doing this for a while. And I, I would say especially interesting in light of us having already viewed and discussed that video Nasties documentary. Yeah, yeah, and uh, having kind of revisited the topic off and on a couple of times here and there, I'm sure. Indeed, because knowing the background of how the Video Nasties program kind of ran and its actual effects and the reasoning behind it uh, gives a lot of extra dimension to this movie. I almost feel like it's kind of, <clears throat> at least like it's just a basic bare bones background is kind of required... Uh, required reading to really understand this they do sort of 
like really quickly go over it in a violence montage at the beginning. Oh, it's so great. But uh, yeah, and, and that that gives you the idea. But I feel like knowing about it does give you kind of a bit more of an appreciation and, and some background as to what these people were actually doing before before it all went wrong. Yeah, totally agree. And as well, one of the things that I've seen a lot of people talk about when they discuss this movie is like I've seen a lot of people complain about the twist. Uh, and I don't feel that this movie has a twist. I feel that this movie is quite linear. It's been, oh, it, and what it's I feel is the twist surface, in, but everything is it's telegraphed. Yeah, and like I, I think, and obviously spoilers because you know the very spoilerific discussion. But I, I feel like maybe people who are not coming to this already aware of the whole video nasty censorship thing and how it was done and sort of the the things that caused it maybe don't pick up on as quickly that she is mentally ill oh yeah um well there there's one line that a side character says and and we'll get to it because i wrote it down that basically and it's fairly early on i'll actually uh, i'll actually find it that gave away the whole like just told me exactly how this movie was going to go. Mm. Um, uh, one of her co-workers in the censorship uh, group said, you'd be surprised what the human brain can edit out when they can't handle the truth. Absolutely. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's what this whole movie is about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like that's pretty clearly in the bones of it all the time. And I'm really surprised to see a lot of people complain about a twist when there isn't a twist. It's something that the movie was clearly always logically building towards. And metaphorically, it's satisfying knowing kind of how the video nasties actually damaged people because of the censorship and the crackdown and the moral panic, not because of anything on any videotapes. Yeah. Um, we we rarely, like, we do see a few shots of the tapes, but not a lot. And it looks they even mentioned it in the movie like a lot of it just looks ridiculous yeah it frequently looks completely silly it's just they're not allowed to show that kind of thing based on the handbook right? yeah yeah we we even hear our i think i recognized his voice in our montage at the beginning um, Furman. Furman. yeah, yeah. definitely there, there's some firm. Like, I, I think there's one of his speeches on TV included in the opening montage. Yeah, so the, he's, I don't think he's ever mentioned by name, but he's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we might see him. him. Yeah, we, we might see him in like a headline or something, but yeah, no one ever really. He, he is not featured as a character in the movie. Yeah. He, sir, not appearing in this film. Yeah, uh, clearly a shadow cast over it, though. Uh, the, the opening sequence is really magnificent. Uh, all of just great sequences of classic gore from a whole bunch of different uh, classic video nasties, like stuff that was specifically cut out by censors in that era. Stuff that uh, some of it and some of the names of the movies they mentioned, too, I recognize because I watched that documentary. Yeah. And, and we've seen since then a few of the trailer compilations or parts of them. Yeah. Uh, and like I've seen a lot of these, I've been sort of collecting most of the video nasties. I've got pretty solid chunk of them at this point. Uh, but 
you're going to kill people now. Oh, it's going to turn me into a public monster of some sort. <laughs> no, it's it's okay. Uh, I I have an education. <laughs> oh shoot! So I'm the one who can't watch them because I just went to high school. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> per Furman, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean that that's kind of the argument, I suppose. I and guess. I I sort of feel like a lot of this movie is sort of making the same argument that the documentary was making. It's just sort of making it as a metaphor. It's showing the damage of the censor because of their inability to delineate between the real world and fantasy because they want to protect anyone else from potentially uh, being unable to delineate between fantasy and reality out in the real world. Uh-huh. Like and our main character takes this job so seriously. So seriously. She literally like one of the first things she says is, "We can't afford to make mistakes." Yep. And like we we're we're given a backstory that supports her taking this very seriously, in that uh, she has a sister who was killed or was murdered. Although our Missing. reports on this are sketchy. Yeah, we don't conclusively know what happened to her right and she thinks missing and she's always kind of held out hope that she's alive and this is very central to everything that happens in the movie um she also was there when the the sister whatever happened to her was taken Uh, she doesn't yeah when she was taken but she doesn't really remember yeah or she has edited it out Mm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well, well, we'll get to that later. So, so where do we get going here? We get going. She is watching. Ah, I wish I wrote down. I think uh, it might be Frozen Scream. I know there's a bit with Frozen Scream. There's she's watching a thing uh, where there's a monster stalking a girl. And, and her big thing is there's an eye gouging scene, apparently, in this movie. And she hates the eye gouging but she's okay with apparently a lot of other stuff that was in this i think it is frozen scream because i feel like that's the one that they're all discussing at the table the next day and they're like but it's completely incoherent it if like it doesn't even matter <laughs> like how, like it, it doesn't even make any sense <laughs> yeah yeah what difference does it make uh and I mean, that's Frozen Scream all the way. <laughs> so, it, it like, I know there's definitely a part where th- that's one of the ones they're going after. And it, it pleases me to no end because I truly adore that movie. <laughs> and then we get our mo- our opening montage. Oh, it's uh, so great. So great. Which is, like, just scenes from these band films at, with uh, narration overlaid of, like, speeches that people made at the time about how... Um, about how violent movies were believed to be responsible for an incredible rise in violence in Great Britain. And it's it's great to just see all of these like classic gore money shots from that era all together. Like you got the driller killer, <laughs> getting get the the one that's used on the infamous cover art that got banned. Uh, I can't remember what all is in there. there. There's a whole bunch of stuff, and it's just yeah. great. A lot of the yeah. classics. So, um, 
So we cut to our uh, our girl Enid. Her name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is staying late to help uh, to help her coworker do something. She could be at a, like a birthday party or something. Whatever. She walks and she walks home alone, and she's on the subway, and she sees this uh, red-haired girl, and she's like, "Excuse me, excuse me." Girl spins around, and she's like, "Oh, never mind. I thought you were someone else." I didn't understand this at first or the significance, but she thought the red-haired girl was her sister. Yeah, she's kind of always... She has PTSD. She flashes back to this uh, incident all the time. Yeah, well, I think the thing is she's kind of always looking for someone who can be her sister. She's sort of always looking for that sister, and she's always trying to protect her sister uh, with kind of everything she does. Yep. Quote, unquote, um, protect. Protect, yeah. Uh, so she's she's at a dinner with her parents, and her parents, um, I, I think this might be like the, very few jokes in this movie, but there's one that, that I thought was kind of funny. Um, her, she's looking at a paper that her parents handed her, and she's like, this is a death certificate. And, and the <laughs> yeah. waiter just comes, he's like, are you ready to order? I'll give you more time. <laughs> so uh, they, they've given her a death certificate, like. For the sister. So for the, yeah. yeah, for the sister who has been missing for God, like 16 years, years now, I think. Yeah, something like 15, that. 15, 16, 20, 30. And, and they feel like they, they want they want closure. They, they they're tired of looking. They feel like there's just no possibility that she's still out there. I, think the parents have closure and this yes. is solely for this her is for benefit. her but this is for her yeah I, I, the, and, and she's not taking it well she's like no so what you just decided that she's dead i mean like they've they've known for a while obviously it's her reality that is not stable though yeah yeah and and like they're there's I'm, and you get the feeling that the parents have had this talk with her hundreds of times like she's like what if i just try to remember we tried that we tried mm-hmm. that what if i we tried that what if we tried that um and so and this is why and this is kind of why she takes her uh, video nasty job so seriously i think it is strongly implied that she believes i guess that the uh whoever killed the sister was influenced by one of these movies, or she's just looking for a way to protect this ghost sister, I guess. Well, you know, it's, it's the same thing as the video nasties and all of the, the public outcry or, or all of the, the public speeches about it, you know, uh, they're, Oh, the, 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 the sister is just like the poor people, you know, we've got to protect those poors. We gotta just uh, protect them oh. from themselves. It, it has the same sort of like it's it's just sort of this excuse for uh, kind of just being the moral arbiter. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, I can see that. That makes sense. <laughs> uh. And, and well, crap. I I had another thing here. I don't remember. So, um, so the next day at work, she's called into her boss's office uh, because a murderer uh, watched Deranged 
oh. and then ate a person's face. Well, ate his wife's face and then killed the two kids. Now, Deranged is... Uh, I, I took note of this one because this is the Ed Gein story, I believe, is it not? Yes, it is, and we should totally watch it sometimes. It stars Robert's Blossom okay. as Ed Gein. Uh, Robert's Blossom, you would best know as the scary old man next door in Home Alone. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, so he's Ed Gein in Deranged. It's a yeah, very so interesting one, very faithful. Interestingly, uh, this guy... So they're, they're just blaming it on on the face-eating scene for the movie because the guy ate the woman's face. It's essentially uh, the Child's he, Play 3 thing. Yeah, and, and you know, he, he, no, nobody really is concerned about how uh, he killed his two kids, which Ed Gein did not do. Nope. He didn't even have kids, but that's that's a whole other thing. No, and other also, Ed, also Ed Gein never actually cannibalized anyone, and there's no evidence No, he didn't. That. So, right. you know, all of those things. Oh, you know, yeah. there's something from the the dinner scene that I wanted to mention. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. One, her dad, I believe, asks her if she's seen any good films lately through her work. And it's just absurd to her because she just doesn't, she has no interest in movies whatsoever. Yeah, she's like, it's it's not entertainment, is what she says. She's just completely disinterested in film as an art, which is like, why are you editing movies then good lord well she fits the profile of the type of people who do exactly this. well yeah exactly and and that's uh, that that just is a very telling element to me i thought that was really great mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah i i'm glad you remember that because i missed it um yeah so this guy is the amnesiac killer we don't right. really get a whole lot of him no, it's 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 you know, it's one of these stupid uh, moral panics. It's exactly like what happened with Child's Play 3 for real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, just like so, their fictionalized version of that. <laughs> yeah. So while she's getting chewed out because I guess she she and this other guy left the face eating scene in, she's mm -hmm. getting chewed out and she's flashing back to uh, the sister thing to the sister thing. Um, now she's getting harassing phone calls because apparently uh, the press found out which sensor allowed that scene to go through. Somehow. Somehow. And they can't figure out how. Which is, it's never explained either, actually. Yeah, no, no idea. But th these yeah. sort of things happened. Like, uh, I, I recall there being some stuff about that in the doc we watched. Yeah. Not like specifically uh, harassing phone calls because of that sort of thing, but people getting like people researching, finding out who the censors were and like contacting. Oh, yeah. Them. Like, well, because like, it was supposed to be a secret board, I think, initially. Yeah. Well, th this this is very much like a 2021 thing of uh, she got doxxed, basically. Yeah. She got doxxed in the 80s, which means people like phoned your house all the time. Yeah, that's that's Yeah. <laughs> maybe i've been doxxed and people have called me but i don't know no i don't ever answer my phone i wouldn't know if i had that's true so yeah everyone everyone at the workplace like after the boss chews her out they're all like oh well you know a bit of bad luck there it's not your fault nothing you could have done and she's yeah. like no i can't afford to make mistakes like this she's like just oh my she's, gosh yeah she's so very the right the person for this job but also 
so not. Well, exactly the wrong person for the job, but you know, <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a bullshit job. Yeah, the exactly. The right person will always be the wrong person. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, she uh, she gets mobbed by the press. Um, but a while she's in her while she's in the uh, the cubicles, mm-hmm. or a producer guy, I didn't catch his name. Uh, hits on her. He's from one of the uh, one of the film companies, and he hits on her, and he's like, well. If something about like how you're always banning my films. Yeah, like he's kind of a he, he just seems like a grody horror producer guy or like a yeah. distributor. Like I yeah, I don't I don't think he's a producer, he's more of a distributor. And that's where the real scumbags are in the movie yeah. business. Well, no, <laughs> he, yeah, but he he's like, well, no, I remember what it was. If he says, if you ever get tired of banning my films, you right. could star in one. And she's yeah. like well, I don't really want to be. Uh, well, I don't really want to be raped and killed in front of a camera. Thank you very much. And he's just like, well, a lot of people would want to see it. Yep. And it's like, wow, that's gross, <laughs> gross, gross. Yeah, but it has a dual meaning too. Yeah. Well. It's it's you know it's it's oh both. oh hmm. Uh, hmm. but like yeah, and and you know. I, I find this character very interesting and obviously he's sort of what sets a lot of the events of this in motion accidentally. Oh yeah. Uh, he, he really doesn't intend to, but he sort of becomes the object of her mania at this point. And it takes a while for the movie to catch up to let us know that he has become the object of her mania, but he has, yeah. We just slowly let it build in the background. Yeah. Um, so. So he the, wants her to edit his, or specifically be the one who reviews this film from the next, this next, or this specific director who is known for really extreme stuff. Shit, right. Maybe this producer is the guy who found out which sensor and he's just trying to. That's what I assume. That that is kind of what I assumed when uh, I was watching it, because he seemed to be like directly going after her, and it seemed more than just like an interest in sex, and maybe more was like I'm kind of pissed off at you. Uh, could be, could be. Because like if he knows that she's the one who rejected his other films, it seems logical that he might be able to know that she is the one who edited this, right? Could be. Yeah. Yeah, so th- this new movie by uh, Frederick North is called Don't Go in the Church. <laughs> A classic which, in the, the Don't Go series. The, the Don't Go series, um, where there are these two girls who will not be delivered from evil. Nope. Um, but they don't ask not to be. Well, one, it's basically that movie, but a little different. Uh, it seems to immediately trigger in Enid uh, a flashback. Because the, uh, I wrote down in the notes, it's like, well, this kind of looks like her flashback. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. No, it's, it is her flashback. This movie is just her life, which also actually kind of draws a parallel to um, uh, Knife Plus Heart. 
Mm-hmm. Which so I was thinking about that a lot, and I also found a lot of the weird sequences are lit kind of the same way. True. I I feel like well they they also have a lot of the same influences. They both come from uh, a giallo background, but are both set in the 80s, but made currently and sort of mimicking an 80s style. Yeah. So. So, uh, yeah, basically this uh, a woman, the two sisters, one of them like forces the other one into a church and then picks up an axe and goes after her. Right. And kills her and kills her and kills her and kills her. And yeah, it's just like I just got written tons of chopping. Yeah, lots and lots of chopping. And uh, Enid is uh, very upset by it. Yeah, she has a nervous breakdown. She goes to throw up, and this is. Uh, and then she goes, and as she gets out of the bathroom, she talks to her coworker, and she's like, she says to the guy, like, "What do you think can make somebody forget about that?" The guy's like, "What? Who forget what? Oh, the amnesiac <laughs> killer. Like, how do you forget if you've killed someone?" And this is when he says, "Oh, you'd be surprised what the human brain can edit out when they can't handle the truth." Right. So. You know, uh, I'm already thinking she's edited out whatever has happened with the sister in Definitely. her mind. Yeah, no uh, question. That information is just gone. Mm-hmm. That footage, if if her brain were a movie, is just thrown out. It doesn't Been exist snipped. anymore. Yep. Deleted scene. Exactly. And so, uh, and that kind of got me thinking, well, I, I've already kind of suspected... Well, nothing's really happened yet, so I, I haven't suspected anything. But that that one line just stuck stuck with me because I'm like, mm, I bet that that's where this movie's gonna go. Mm-hmm, certainly. Um. So we hear she's in the subway, and we hear a girl crying, and she just turns around a corner to this girl crying, and it just descends into darkness. And that never comes up again because uh, we cut to a scene of her on the phone with her mother in her apartment yeah, later on. She she just has kind of it, it's it's like she has these blackouts that there is just something amiss with her life. Be, be, and, and it's partly because it's shot like a horror movie. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, because we're seeing her life shot like a horror movie, it looks like one. But uh it also suggests that she's living her life like she lives within a horror movie. Well, what we end up finding out is she lives her life like she is a movie and she is the censor of the movie. Well, exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> both is, of those things, you know, yeah. that she is, she, she kind of believes she's living in a horror movie all the time. Yeah. So, so she almost tells her mother about the don't go into the church movie, which, and then, doesn't which turns out to be a good idea because it wouldn't go over well no let's see and then she falls asleep to static on the tv and that's when we get our neon lights happening um, which is so that. cool looking yeah yeah um, uh, incredible visual sequence uh, she ends up in the woods uh there's some kind of transition there uh that's like kind of like a combination between her flashbacks and the movie and there's a wolf man behind the sister in this 
and I've just got written dream end when mom jump scare. <laughs> so the mother is like just whisper, like screaming at the woman at, at Enid. Well, this it's cause, is your fault. This is your fault. Because like she's been on the phone with her and then she just completely drifted off mm. like her. She just totally drifted away. Yeah. Uh, and then like it, it, it's like the land of chocolate thing. <laughs> You know, oh. she she had drifted off to the <laughs> land of chocolate for a few minutes, except, you know, it was the the land of don't go in the church. Yeah. Oh, that's a... It was seven minutes I ago. Just, <laughs> I just wouldn't go into the church if it were me. Don't go in the house. Stop going into the goddamn house. God damn it. <laughs> uh, I, I will soon have uh, a new release of... The actual movie, Don't Go in the House, which we should definitely watch. That's a major video nasty. Oh, uh, that's cool, one of the cool. ones that is in, included in the opening sequence. The the torching. So she's trying to track down the director of Don't Go in the Church. And uh, she goes to a video store and this sequence. Uh, <laughs> this I feel like this sequence only really works. Or if if you know if you have some background about the whole video nasty thing, yeah, because it it totally reads like a like a narc trying to buy like an underage or like a narc trying to buy booze or like under the table stuff like hey do you have anything under the counter wink wink yeah she is obvious like she can't fake it at all mm-hmm. and the guy's just like fucking hell. Uh, uh, it's just not worth all the hassle, all the restrictions. I'm just going to throw these out. It's just not worth it anymore. Right. And he hands it to her. Yeah. So he gives her two Frederick North pictures. And is it like Asunder and Beastman? Asunder and Beastman. And she watches Asunder. Uh, one of the lines that keeps coming up in Asunder is the evil is contagious. And uh, and I have in my notes, did she catch the evil? <laughs> I presume it's sort of like a zombie movie. Yeah, yeah. But I was kind of wondering, did she catch the evil from the movies? But that turned out that's not what happened. But it turned out that's what happened. Yeah. It kind of. It's, it's <laughs> a little. Uh, yeah. Um, so the, the main actress, uh, a woman named Alice Lee, looks she thinks looks like her sister. Yeah, she feels this is exactly what her sister would look like now. Yeah. And uh, she has another dream. Uh, this time, the two of them are in the movie. And, uh, oh gosh, this is a long dream sequence, I think. Oh, here's where it, my writing got terrible. <laughs> she goes... So yeah, the beast man is behind her in the behind someone in the church in the dream, and then she ends up in the editing room, but still with the dream lighting. So I thought this was part of the dream. Um, she well, at this point, it we we start to see visualized within the film that her reality and her fantasy and her dream life don't really have a lot of boundaries between them. They just sort of bleed into one another all the time. It was actually at this point where I kind of started to realize that because it's like, oh, we're in dream lighting. But no, this is actual stuff she's doing because she's uh, 
take the film to write to get the address of uh, I think the producer. Right. Yeah. And it's because, you know, she's living her life within the dream life because she she just kind of isn't living within normal reality. Yeah, she she's she's like doing like a spy thing, she thinks. Yeah, she's, you know, going on her own movie adventure now. Yeah. Um, so she, uh, so she, uh, goes to the producer's house, knocks on his door in the middle of the night, and he answers in his, uh, he answers in his bathrobe with a crowbar in his hand, and I've just written down, why is he holding crowbar? I, he's probably had people come after him before, because he's a Video Nasties producer. Yeah, that could be. It actually does kind of make sense to have a weird... When you get a knock on your door at midnight, maybe you're going to hold on to a crowbar. Yeah. Especially if you're a kind of wealthy producer. Well, wealthy and just, enough, he has a house. And and someone who's near public outcry, you know, yeah. because the video nasties were really huge in the papers. Oh, yeah. The papers yeah. were just all about them. The, oh, the media loved talking about that shit. Yeah. And blaming everything on that shit. Of course. And, and it's just, it's so, it, like, the censorship culture there at that time is so alien to our North American culture. We don't really have anything quite like it. It is uh, really I mean, bad. The satanic cat panic was kind of close, but. Yeah, it Not had a really. kind of a similar flavor, except it, it never resulted in a lot of stuff getting banned. There, there would yeah. be like little flare ups of stuff where people were like, <laughs> like there, there were uh, there, there were very severe real world uh, ramifications to that. More severe, I would say, than anything in the video nasties, uh, oh, just yeah. in terms of people's lives being ruined. Mm-hmm. But uh the the censorship is unique it's so strange the the public was on the side of the censorship which is something which is the part that's so weird to us at least for a while for a while yeah Um, they they lost favor by the 90s it's just crazy that they continued to exist in the 90s yeah yeah so um so the producer uh is saying some she's just looking for information on this Alice Lee girl, mm-hmm. but the producer is like, Oh, don't worry about Alice Lee. This is going to be her da- last film. She's, uh, she's, she's aged past out past her shelf life. So this is just typical sleazy producer talk. Yeah. He's, but... he's basically saying, no, she, she's aged out. She's not putting butts in seats anymore. She can't really be in this kind of movie anymore. But, but you, you can, if you have sex with me, yeah, Basically. it was like you're hot. Come on. Yeah. Why don't you? Why don't yeah. you be uh, but, a new chick in these movies? But the lighting of the scene and the music playing in the background, like, it's meant to sound like he's, and I and I even kind of thought it at first. Like, is he threatening? No, he's just talking about. Is there really no conspiracy going on? <laughs> See, this is exactly the thing, and this is why a lot of people call it a twist, whereas. The whole time I was watching it, I I kind of vibed with exactly the design decisions and all of the bleeding of reality. It's like, well, obviously she th- she is editing this scene in her mind. We're seeing her horror movie version of this scene as it's playing out. 
but we're still like hearing him talk and not really being at all menacing. And it's just, he's just a dude who's sleazy. Yeah. He's just, just trying to sleep with the, maybe with someone who might be maybe a young, hot actress. And if not, well, he'll still sleep with her. Yeah. I mean, that's, she that's, is it. that's all he's doing. Yeah. Uh, but she sees it as incredibly sinister because it fits into her complex worldview. Yeah, so uh, he tries to rape her and then she gets really, she gets pissed off and then he gets pissed off. It's like, you cocktease, you came, you came to my house? Like, what the hell did you come here for? And so he shoves, or she shoves him and he impale. Okay, this is like the first. It was amazing. Nasty shot. This is great. Um, he gets impaled on this trophy, like from the back of his neck and coming out of his mouth as blood just squirts and gurgles. Yeah, it's I, I think it's a golf trophy, but it's got sort of like a fountain in it. So his blood is like coming out of the 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 trophy. Yeah. And she's. I guess running home, but we're hearing all these voices of the producer saying something else. And I'm like, wait, how can he say that? Did she not just kill him? Is he not actually dead? Or is he not actually saying this stuff right now? One Um, of the two. One of the two. So something that we're seeing is incorrect. Yeah. And that's. And then I started thinking that, uh, okay. Like this, this scene is where I really got thinking that that she's the problem, right? Um, because I just well, I mean, thinking, she did just kill a guy. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, yes, but like the lead the, up to this is where I got thinking that right, yeah, that uh, yeah, this is just normal gross stuff, not whatever she thinks it is. Yeah, no, it's not some great big conspiracy. She's just. Uh editing it into one like it's a conspiracy worldview so oh god i can't even read it now <laughs> so uh yeah she oh impaled him on trophy and leave and then here's the voices of of him saying stuff that he did not say mm-hmm. in the scene and that he would not have said to her but she's remembering it uh we find out that that killer did not actually see deranged. Yeah, he never saw it at all. Yeah. It, it was all just like, just a, a a bullshit media thing. Or or was it because the panic was real? Did she just this just edit out the fact that uh, that the killer didn't that the killer had seen deranged to make it so that it wasn't her fault? Honestly, I think it probably is just. It, it probably is that he he, did, he didn't see it. <laughs> he didn't see deranged. It's, it's probably what it even is. if but he had, it, it would be. Yeah, even if he had, it would have been completely tangential to anything that happened. So I I do yeah. think it's probable that it's just now nah, he just didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, and and it was all part of this producer guy's grudge against this one censor, and that that's that's the whole conspiracy right there. That's it. Nobody's killed the sis. Well, somebody did, but anywho, she goes, she finds the address to the, uh, the film shoot, the film shoot. And she finds this trailer in the woods and the makeup lady 
is is there and she she asks her like is this the alice lee shoot yeah you're late i guess she just thinks this is alice lee yeah she just assumes that it's alice lee she you know just some makeup lady just on an indie shoot yeah um she doesn't seem to be acting particularly cryptic or creepy but she's putting her makeup on yeah and then and and they talk about how the producer never showed up and then they get to the woods and they uh, they meet the director, uh, Frederick North. <laughs> and everything about this guy just screams like, well, it screams two different things. It screams, I am a murderer and I am going to turn you into a murderer. Or it screams, I am a director and I'm going to turn you into a murderer. Yeah. It's like he, he's filming her and he's saying all this stuff like like uh the evil is within you no it's not no it's not yeah yes it is the evil's within you just yeah bring he's it trying forward. to direct her yeah yeah and she's like no i won't do it well then piss off and stop wasting my time no 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 wait i'll do it i'll do it okay fine and then she starts freaking out and he's like yes use that yeah she just keeps thinking that like he's telling her to do things in the world but like he's just a movie director telling her to act out a scene but she can't distinguish reality from fantasy yeah, she thinks that this guy has killed she thinks that now she's being set up for some weird ritual she thinks she's in a snuff film oh yeah yeah sorry yes you're right yeah that's what she thinks so uh, she ends up going into the church that she's not supposed to go into. You never go in the church. Well, especially not the one that basically has a poster on it saying, don't go into the church. It doesn't have a poster, but, you know, it might don't as well have. Don't go in the church. Uh, and we learned we learned that it was inspired by a true story. Uh, the guy's like, the mm. director's like, all of my films are inspired by true stories. Again, just like Knife Plus Heart. <laughs> um yeah so yeah the director wasn't killer in that either right in fact the killer was the person who the story was hmm. these yeah. movies have a lot of they have, they have some parallels they have some parallels yeah so uh they they shoot the scene where she's embracing the beast man uh and then the sister shows up uh alice lee um, who, the quote-unquote sister. The quote-unquote sister, who is playing her sister. Uh, in the movie. In the like movie. Playing, yeah. Is being attacked by, or, or like taken by the Beastman. So she grabs this axe and just, as she's running towards him, they're like still acting. And then he's like, oh no, this isn't in the script. And she buries the axe in his chest. Yep, she kills this dude. She kills this dude, and everyone's screaming, and then she pulls out the axe, and the face of the Beastman is in the Beastman's chest wound, saying the horror is... Oh, God, what was it What was it saying? Shit, something about the horror being in you. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, the horror is in you. I think that's right. <laughs> and the director's like, cut! And she decapitates the director yep. and is chasing this poor woman uh, out of the woods or out of the church, out of the woods. Well, the crew well, is just like, what the fuck? 
she thinks she's escaping with her, but the but like Alice Lee is just running away from her. This maniac yeah, with an like, axe. Get away from me! Get away from me! And she's like, "No, I'm saving you! I'm saving you!" She puts down the axe and she's like, I, "It's me! I'm your sister! I have a sister, and it's not you! I don't know who you are!" And she runs away, and Enid is just on the ground in the forest just sobbing and sobbing like you have to be here please be here you have to be her and reality pretty much just totally glitches out yeah well she pulls out (laughs) she pulls out the little dial that she uses for the editing of the movies uh for her job and she uh turns it back and uh, now, suddenly, she's in a car with her sister, going to meet their parents. And on the radio, it's saying, the crime rate in Britain has dropped to zero. All the criminals are <laughs> not locked away, and there are no video nasties. Gotta, gotta and, create that happy ending. Uh-huh. And in my notes, I'm like, I've written, what the fuck? There's still five minutes left? <laughs> so they go to the parents... And uh, every now and a, every bit, you just see this little static and it cuts to just disturbing scenes of uh, Alice Lee screaming and the parents looking terrified, terrified. Yeah. And then like her, intercut like, with just like a really happy, sunny scene of her just radiantly smiling and the three of them standing together as a family. Yeah. So I think and it's not clear. At this point, but I think she took Alice Lee um, to meet her parents while they were all still covered in blood. Yeah, I I have a feeling like she basically kind of almost like sort of took her hostage, but to her parents. Mm -hmm. And obviously this freaks out the parents. uh, Yeah. But, you know, we don't we don't see any of that. What we see is a VHS tape ejecting. Yep, the end. Well, the a, end. a a, a re- recurrence of the videotape uh, being inserted, inserted at the beginning. At the beginning. The we didn't. Yep. Yeah, right. We didn't talk about that, but yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. A very hard yeah. end, uh, and it rules. This movie rules. So good. Uh, tremendous debut feature. Really interesting. Just all of the stuff with the video nasties, how deep it goes into uh, the meaning of the video nasties thing and just all of the actual public impacts of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how just like the psychology of the people who had to be subjected to this stuff over and over and over again. Like one of the major arguments was, why a child could rewind and rewatch a gory sequence time and time again. And yeah, what if it's your job exactly to do that? What these people are doing. <laughs> they're, they're not rewinding and watching and rewatching the, uh, the baseball scene or the, the, the homecoming scene. No, they're watching the bloody shit. Yeah. And that's there's... stuff that they have to decide if it's going to get censored. And, and these are people who are automatically prone to having difficulty between uh, fantasy and reality because they're people who believe other people are going to, you know, they're, they're, they're people who think that reality is permeable in that sense that like one's mind is uh, able to be played oh, with in that sort of way. Fuck. I never made that connection. Of course, 
they think other people are like that because they're like that, not that they think other people are like that because. Yeah, it's yeah, like the people it, who it has use, to be that way. It's it's the same as people who who call things virtue signaling. It's like you you can't understand that a person actually believes in something. So anyone making a statement of belief in something is virtue signaling. It's oh, like I hate... it's the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it is, and totally. So yeah, um, yeah. Hell of a, a movie, right? Hell of a movie. <laughs> uh, hell of an ending. Um, endings. Uh, and ending. endings. Yeah. Uh, and like I again, I I would not call it a twist. I I don't no. feel that it's a twist. Uh, and I, I, I feel like you you don't see it in like the first in the first maybe half of the movie, but once she gets to the producer, maybe even a little bit before that, you see it coming. Yeah, and like for me, I just kind of saw the arc right from the beginning because I, I, I got the metaphor really early on, and I was just on board. <laughs> and man, just, oh, the visuals in this movie are really fantastic. Like, there's some very striking uh, sequences, like oh, the forest sequences, the the way they use the red lighting. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um the red lighting in the forest sequence when she's in there, but never in the actual film that she watches in there. Yeah. Cause, cause that's that the red lighting is her reality. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, just super good and very highly recommended. I'm totally looking forward to see more from this director. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked the gore shots were used sparingly. Um, mm-hmm. there's only like three. I yeah, think. I think that's right. And they're, but they're good. They each have a really strong impact. Uh, yeah. and, and I feel like that's the best of the classic video nasties is the ones that had a few really outstanding gore scenes, but were sort of quiet and psychological in the rest of the time. I don't know. I'm not sure how many video nasties I've actually seen. If any, well, I saw The Exorcist. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid grudge against The Exorcist. Wasn't the thing a video nasty? <laughs> oh, probably. I, I believe it was. I, I think it was on the third list. But yeah, we'll we'll look at the video nasty list sometime. We'll we'll have to do a bunch of them all over time. Yeah, I, I feel like kind of doing a loose video nasty series that these are sort of part of. That this and you know the video nasties documentary. Oh, oh, but you know who the true evil was? Furman. Thatcher. I was, but oh yeah, Thatcher. You're right. Yeah, she she appeared in this film. Yep. So you know she's she's the big bad. Well, she kind of is. I mean, she. I don't she, even really know all of what she did. Just that she was like, I guess their version of Reagan. More or less, yeah. yeah that's enough. <laughs> that's <laughs> enough. Uh, anyway, so any last thoughts before we head on into our final section? So do you think the stinger for Captain America, because I never watched, uh, I never watched after the credits and I probably should have. Do you think the stinger is uh, him and Sharon realizing we never did anything about the bomb? And and then, uh, um, I don't know, Hawkeye, sure, will just be like, I got you covered, Cap. Yeah, and it, like he's in like the classic purple jumpsuit outfit from like the '60s incarnation. Oh, of course, so, of course. Yeah, I, still I would actually. By Jeremy Renner. I I would love to see the 1990 canon version of like the 
the classic Hawkeye costume. I feel like that would be the funniest thing on earth, and I really wish it existed as a stinger at the end of that movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, well. all right. Part three. And we're back for our third section where uh, normally we'd be talking about uh, other movies we have watched in the previous week uh, and then deciding what we're going to watch. Uh, we're still going to decide we're going to watch, but I didn't watch anything else last week <laughs> uh, from the stacks. Anyways, I watched a whole ton of movies, but I watched just a bunch of stuff on the Criterion channel because they've just really ridiculous leaving list at the end of December. And there's a lot of stuff I wanted to catch up on. Oh. Seen some great stuff, though. Oh, excellent. Um, yeah, I, as is always the case, even though you asked me like three times if I have anything else to add, I always, I remembered something as soon as we stopped, uh, went for our break, is that I wanted to talk about the box uh, for the movie Sensor. Super cool. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, be, the reason I wanted to talk about it is because it actually threw me for a loop. So you got this gorgeous, um, like, cardboard D box it's chip uh, box is what they call it that's what they call it okay chip box uh like a, uh the slip cover yeah yeah and it's got the and it's got like sensor and a logo with like the it looks like a static tv screen with her in front of it holding an axe and lit in red mm-hmm. Very striking. Um, we have all the uh side characters up at the top who are actually not side characters, but characters from the film. Mm-hmm. On the back, we've got the Beast Man uh, bashing his head into a TV, it looks like. And then when I opened it up, I saw the box art for something called Beast Man. And I was like, did you did you put the wrong movie in there? And then you turn it over and it's and I asunder. I turn it over, it's asunder. And I'm like, what is... The, the slip is, is cover inside the slip cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like the poster. We see the Beastman uh, art on the. Actually, we see both uh, box arts in the film. Mm-hmm. The Beastman poster is in the producer's house and asunder. Uh, she looks at it to see the woman's face. And that's when she decides it's her sister. Right. Yeah. So I, I honestly thought you accidentally slipped the wrong, uh, the wrong stuff into there. Right. And then I thought, well, okay, no, maybe this is a box set and there's like three films and the other two just aren't important enough to be on the cover. But now I get it. You know, I actually do have another movie where it's got just the the cover has one movie, but it does have two other movies uh, as special features on it that are movies featured within the movie. Oh, cool. Like there's actually one that from a Vinegar Syndrome partner label that came out in the past year just like that oh Sweet. nice uh, the last matinee huh. yeah so yeah uh, uh, just a really cool box um and i actually hadn't looked at it before really before looking at the movie or before watching the movie but yeah she's holding an axe and she's lit in red mm-hmm. i don't I, <laughs> it's not much of a twist yeah i mean like if you saw the poster art and stuff you, you should kind of have an idea of where you're going with it well, the whole time I was like, is this going to be a movie about how she takes censorship too far? And like, I, I was waiting. For like she's going to be, be the, the punisher. Yeah, I, I was just censor. waiting for her to be the killer, but I wasn't sure how it was going to work. Right. It, it was but, a more clever way than uh, oh, much more might clever. have been done in like an 80s movie. Mm-hmm. 
so this week is a little bit unusual because I didn't watch any movies last week from the stack. So there are no additions normally that or no no moves, which is what we normally talk about here. Uh, and that's normally how we would decide on our second picture to watch. Normally. So instead, this week we're doing a Jay's pick. I, I'm choosing uh, the the second film we're going to discuss next week. Uh, and I've chosen one of my all-time favorites, probably top ten all-time, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Oh, I, you knew that I haven't seen it. I do. And I've been talking about it for years. And it's years. a snowy movie. You know, it's yeah. one of the ones I always like to watch at this time of year, and I haven't yeah. yet. And I even mentioned it for Halloween, and you said it was a snow movie. And... It's a December movie, January yeah. movie. Yeah. All right. So, okay. yeah, The Shining doesn't need much of an introduction, really. It's a kind of a classic, although at the time it came out, it was sort I think it made money, but it was critically reviled. That's hard to imagine. It won at the Golden Raspberries oh, that year. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which, they're a stupid organization, but still. It's I, I, I didn't know the, the Razzies were around for that long. Yeah, I think they started in the mid-70s. Holy, I just remember seeing uh, Halle Berry win a Razzie, so she came out at, at the actual event holding the Razzie in one hand and an Oscar in the other. Yeah, because it was uh, the next year. That yeah. was for Catwoman, the year after she won for Monster's Ball. That's crazy. Uh, to be fair, she Catwoman. I never saw it, but everything I've enough. heard. Yeah. It is bad. Uh, All so, right, yeah. so I'm excited for this. Yeah. Uh, Finally and... get to see what Here's Johnny's all about. Heck yeah. Uh, so before we get on to our main pick, I guess I want to just go over what our, resol- our our January New Year's resolution series will be. All right. This will be uh, landing right at the start of January. Uh, so for our first week, we don't really have uh, any restrictions. Uh, we're choosing from either the active or inactive stacks this week. It's just a basic treat yourself, you know? All right. It's a, it's a good resolution to keep in the mix. Just have some fun. And I feel it's an appropriate one for our first week, especially since we're recording this before New Year's. And we, we have yet to treat ourselves. That's true. True. Well, all these movies are treats. They kind of have Some of them are treats. They have been lately. We we haven't really run into anything that was bad in a way that wasn't fun. (laughs) You know, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I can't remember the last movie I just plain did not like. Yes, I do. Uh, I don't remember what it's called. (laughs) Endgame. And and I only didn't like it because it had the gratuitous rape scene. Right. Nothing else good to really offset that yeah, in fair. my mind. Uh, so but. week two are or like I, I'm not sure if uh, we'll necessarily keep a specific order, but uh, the, probably week two we'll do uh, one pick from the first three rows because of the tend, active stacks. Because I tend to gravitate towards the stuff that uh, was more newerly added because those are the stuff that you kind of tell me the little blurb about right we've, so, we've kind of uh, discussed them 
So we had yeah, a, so the stuff that's been on here, some of the stuff has been on here from the beginning. A lot uh, I, of the stuff has been on here from the beginning. In fact, every single thing in the first three rows has been here from the beginning because uh, the start of the fourth row is the tale of Zatoichi continues. Uh, so that was the first thing added after uh, our first episode. Oh, okay, okay. So everything in the first three rows has been completely untouched that entire time. So uh, we got to pick something from that for our uh, main feature next week. All right. Uh, week three, we will do a movie from a series that we have been covering. So we'll continue an existing series. So and something we've got, like, sorry, go ahead. We've got quite a lot to choose from for that. So uh, we've been doing a lot of Gamera and we've been doing a lot of uh, not so much a series, but uh, the Sukamoto box that we've been working through. Um, yeah. There's a few other. Oh, um, we are going to get into the yokai again. Most certainly. So there are 15 options here. Oh, wow. I didn't think gonna, there were that many. Yeah, I'm going to go through them all. So we've got The Tale of Zatoichi Continues. Uh, and so I'm I'm concluding, I'm including things both uh, that are in the inactive and the active stacks, because the, we'll, we'll do that for the whole month, if as long as it's a series that we've been doing. Okay. Uh, and I'm loose with the definition so that we have a lot to choose from. Right. We've got the either of the ring sequels could uh -huh. you know pick or choose which uh similarly for star trek we could do motion picture or three since we did two yeah uh, same with friday the 13th we could do the original or number two i think we've sort of got number two as the one on the stacks right now that's the one we have yeah because i saw the original at some point i feel like it wasn't that long ago but it's it would have long. had to have been at least two years right uh, there's Malibu Express, which is the next in the Andy Sedaris ones. Remember seven? Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so Malibu, Malibu Express is the one before Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Okay, and Hard Ticket to Hawaii is the one that I know. Yeah. Uh, we could continue with Al Adamson, so we'd have the Al Adamson documentary. You know, I, I, you know what? I'm actually kind of feeling doing that this week. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll 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 go through the rest first. So but let's we, go through the rest. Yeah, we'll we'll kind of go through them. So we've got uh, we we could continue with John Carpenter because we've done a whole bunch of them. So I would consider That's that a have. series that we're doing at this point. Okay. <laughs> so Dark Star is sort of representing that right now. All right. Uh, we could do the next Outlaw Gangster VIP movie. Oh yeah. Uh, there's, of course, Tsukamoto, and yep. that's also a branching path because there's either Bullet Ballet or Haruko the Goblin, uh, which came out in between the two Tetsuo movies, uh, which I just received in the mail from Mondo Macabro. Cool, cool. Uh, there's the next Gamera movie, Gamera vs. Gauss. Uh, there's Halloween 2. Uh, there is, of course, For a Few Dollars More, the next in the mm. Dollars trilogy. Uh, the next in the yokai movies, Spook Warfare, and second Godzilla movie, Godzilla Raids Again. So That's lots, a lot of series. Yeah, we, we've we've started a whole bunch of stuff, so there's quite a few things available. Yeah, uh, so yeah. I was thinking of only I was only thinking of ones that we had done more than one of, but yeah, right. ones that we've just dipped our toe into. We did a lot. Mm -hmm. So a, a lot of different options there. Okay. Uh, and uh, the last week we will start a new series. 
wow. so there's also a ton of different options there. I'm only working with stuff that's on the tops of stacks, but there's a, a whole bunch of these. Okay, cool. We'll we'll, uh, we'll go we'll through those go that those, episode. Uh, yeah. The day of, yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, what do we want to pick this week? This is just well, treat yourself. Uh, something to pair with The Shining. Um. Yeah. What's gonna go with The Shining? Well. So you were thinking Adamson. I am. Oh, still you know thinking... what? I forgot. I forgot to mention the the additions. We have two. Oh, yeah, yeah. New stacks. Two uh, new stacks. Two new stacks because I got two really big box sets in the past week. Uh, so there is the Severin folk horror box, All the Haunts Be Ours. Uh, so the first thing in that one is Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, which is a very comprehensive documentary about the history of folk horror cinema. Ooh, ooh. And then it's a really big box. I think it's got 30 movies in it. Oh, wow. With just a, a whole bunch of great folk horror. And now, uh, the, um, define folk horror. I don't I don't think I'm familiar. It's a very niche genre. So Wicker Man is probably oh, okay. the best example. Uh, uh, the original? Yeah, so horror that's mm-hmm. based in folk traditions uh, and, and is really sort of about that specific region and its folk traditions. Okay, okay. Uh, and the other box is the Shaw Scope box from Arrow, uh, which is a whole bunch of Shaw Brothers, mostly kung fu films. Uh, and that is represented by King Boxer, better known as Five Fingers of Death. Mm. Real classic classic Shaw Brothers Kung Fu movie. I think I've heard of that one. I probably have. It sounds familiar. Uh, it is one I have seen before, and it is pretty rad. Nice, nice. All um, right. So our pick for this week. I know you were you were saying perhaps the Adamson Perhaps doc. Adamson, but I'm also thinking some Kung Fu. There's lots of good Kung there's Fu. A, there's a bunch of Kung Fu. But you know what? Let's do the Adamson because I don't think I'm going to pick that when we do our series once. And I don't know when I'm going to think about it again. Sure, sure. And you've been bugging me for this one for a while until you kind of gave up. But it's it's you've been wanting me to watch this. So let's it's really it. interesting. And I think it'll be a good introduction to us actually getting into the rest of his movies and sort of getting a feel for him as a figure before we dive into all the weird and funky movies he made. So the only one that we've covered is Cinderella 2000, isn't it? That's correct. Yep. Oh, what a what a thing. What, what a, a thing. thing. <laughs> and, right, and that's well, a particularly bizarre one. So it's going to be interesting to see some of his more uh, conventional stuff uh, along the way. Although you've also seen Dracula versus Frankenstein, but we didn't oh, do it yes, this episode. Yes. Um, I, and I'm sure I must have seen that before. It, it was a whole so. thing. Yeah. Because I All definitely right. had seen the Dracula, but could not recall seeing the Frankenstein's face. I definitely would remember if I had, but that's a memorable it was a whole thing. Very marshmallowy. All right. So next week we'll be discussing the Al Adamson documentary. Uh, was it Blood and Flesh? Blood and oh, no, it's Blood and Flesh. Edge. Blood yes. and Flesh. Uh, really excellent documentary. First in the uh, Severin Al Adamson anthology. It's such a magnificent box set. One of my favorite in my entire collection. Nice. Uh, 
Uh, and of course, oh, I Stanley Kubrick's The Shining too. Yeah, it's it is a good set. Yeah. If it's the one I'm thinking of. Oh, oh. Yeah, because Cinderella the Red 2000. Skull, the Red Skull, his face, and the Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not Red Skull. It's it's uh, Orange Puffy Frankenstein. <laughs> Red Marshmallow. <laughs> Red Marshmallow. Orangey Yellow Marshmallow. Uh, that oh. sounds like somebody else who is a Nazi <laughs> sympathizer. <laughs> Next week, we'll be discussing Blood and Flesh, the uh, ghoulish legacy, the real life and ghastly death of Al Adamson, a true crime and film documentary. Wait, he died? True crime? Oh, my God. Okay, I I gotta watch this. He was murdered. Oh, fuck. Uh, And uh, we will also be watching Stanley Kubrick's now classic, at one time uh, much hated, uh, adaptation of Stephen King's *The Shining*. I was not alive. I was not alive, or at least not conscious, when this movie was hated. No, I like. I I remember when I first saw it in my youth. After reading the novel, I was disappointed with it because it was very, very different from the book. Uh, much like Stephen King really hates it because it's much, much different from the book. But I've come to appreciate it more than the book itself. Oh, okay. Over time. All right. Uh, so uh, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And keep watching the stacks. Yeah.